Shelly Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Shelly. July 12, 2022, allegedly according to that thing we call a calendar, and this is the show you were looking for. How do I know this? Because you're hearing me say what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> it's Tuesday, and we've gone to air just a touch early because normally I wouldn't start talking to anybody on air until 8 p.m. We do other stuff up until that time, but uh, special report I wanted to get from veteran journalist Albert Lanier. Uh, now, <laughs> usually we talk about national stories, that's for sure. Uh, we talk about international stories. I've had a lot of discussions with Albert Lanier. You can check in them out in the archives for sure. Uh, and more than happy to direct you to his work, his blog, uh, which I think he closed up one recently. He's got a YouTube channel. All those links will be in with the show notes for the podcast. So if you're not hearing me live, uh, you, you can search out Albert Lanier yourself if you like. But uh, if you're not hearing me live, I'll give you his uh, Twitter, his uh, YouTube, his blog, which is uh, at the Doctor 50, I think, which is over at um, Substack. Uh, no, maybe it's not over there. Maybe it's medium. You know what? I got a bunch of stuff bookmarked and I'm going to give you all the links and definitely you should go check it out, uh, for his recent work. Now he's got a long line of other publications that he's written for, etc., etc. So if you don't know who Albert Lanier is, go back in the archives and check him out. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> what did he want to talk to me about tonight? Well, unusual because he's in Hawaii, as we always mention. Uh, and I'm in Georgia, and I got to tell you, uh, I find it unusual that hardly anybody in the Georgia media wants to talk about the Georgia Guidestones. Although we did mention it on this show, <laughs> what happened recently. We mentioned a couple other things about the Guidestones. Uh, but uh, you know what? Mr. Lanier wants to discuss it, and I'd love to get his take on it, uh, exactly what he thinks of what happened here. The GBI still investigating. Um, I actually called them to try and see if I could get, you know, some sort of official statement. They didn't want to give one to me. <laughs> okay. Um, they did issue a statement, which I read in the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, regarding the events where there was a serious vandalization of the Georgia Guidestones. And people in alt-media of all types, as we discussed on Friday, have uh, always pointed at the, uh, well, some of the words memorialized on said guidestones about population reduction. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. They ignore the rest of the inscription. <laughs> and uh, we, we also recently found out that uh, somebody went looking for the time capsule, which was allegedly buried underneath it, but uh, came up empty thus far. Anyway, weird, weird story, and glad to have Albert Lanier along to discuss it with us. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Mr. Lanier? I'm doing just fine, and you? You know, I, I'm I'm doing okay uh, at at the moment. Let, let's just leave it at that. It's been a very well, weird couple of months here in Georgia. I got to tell you, it's extremely well, hot. I, first of and all, and it seems to be getting yeah. weirder, uh, <laughs> especially with this guy. So, yeah, I have to be honest. I didn't expect to be talking about Georgia in July <laughs> or in general. Nothing mm. against the state of Georgia. I have I have uh, I relatives there, but. I didn't expect to be, I have to be really honest, I never thought I'd be talking about this subject of the Georgia Guidestones or 
Right. Well, and you'd you'd figure the next time we'd be talking Georgia, you and me, might be around the time of the uh, midterm elections, right? Right. Uh, Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But... Uh, That's what I thought. (laughs) Surprise story. And it was very, very strange the way it came out because uh, I first heard about it and thought it was one of those. I mean, frankly, there's a lot of news sites. uh, Well, they're not news sites, but they put out fake news stories a lot of times. Um, Mm -hmm, Right. And sometimes they go viral and people, you know, get into them and you track it down. And look, most of those. Yeah, they they start believing them. Most of those websites, by the way, will tell you that, you know, like right there somewhere on the front page that, look, we make up stories for entertainment. It's like everybody wants to be the onion. And I thought for sure, you know, uh, I mean, despite the fact that we have interesting headlines coming from Herschel Walker on a daily basis here. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, father of the year, yeah. Well, he's father of the year. Father of the year. Uh, He's got multiple personalities coming from the um, uh, Deadbeat Dad Society of America. But then again, (laughs) but is it really his fault? Because something is wrong with him. Clearly, I mean, there was something about him having what they used to call a multiple personality disorder. So maybe Uh you know, uh, some of his personalities were involved in the impregnation of women, and uh, the other personalities didn't know about it. I mean. Look, I'm making fun because the the guy just recently right. dropped another fun one about, you know, the Chinese are stealing our clean air and giving us back dirty air. Um, <laughs> and oh, I just I hadn't heard that one yet. Oh man, Ooh. yeah, he's he wow. says that basically, yeah, the Chinese have come up with a way of taking away our our clean air and stealing it for themselves, and and sending us back polluted air. And wow. uh, I I really you know. I, I, I don't know what to make uh, of Mr. I Walker. I didn't know that there was an air trade deficit between China and the United States. But what does that say for the tariff wars? I mean, really, it, it, I just, all right, look, enough jokes. Yeah. Because I thought this was I, a I've joke. I've heard of tariffs, but i never heard of an air tariff. No kidding. But, I've heard of air rights, uh, yeah. you know, for buildings and buildings, air rights, but not air tariff. That's no. a new no, sure, and I, and I would understand if he wanted to talk about that, or if he was saying that China was literally, you know, like polluting the planet, or we're polluting the planet, or maybe we're doing better than them, or worse. I, I look, you can have all these discussions, but it's very, very weird when he says stuff like that, and you go, okay, and they're still taking him seriously as a candidate. But back right. to this Georgia Guidestones thing, when I right. first saw that headline, I thought to myself, this has to be a fake story. Somebody blew up mm-hmm. the Georgia Guidestones, uh, but indeed, it, it is, uh, it's true. <laughs> I actually called somebody who lives yeah. near them and had them confirm it for me. Yeah, something happened. Oh, uh, right. You know, and, and that, that's all that that person locally could tell me, by the way, is, I don't know, something happened. Um, mm-hmm. And right. it's weird because we have the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations here. And they are looking into it seriously to figure out what's going on because there were explosives used. Okay. And so, uh, I don't know. It's a very weird thing. And yet, um, as I told you just before we went to air, there is not that much coverage on it in Georgia at all. Um, That's what's surprising me. Yeah. You know, you're there in Georgia, and so you, you, you firsthand can look at the local media there. Right, and when you told me that, I was surprised. I thought that would have been the hot story on every TV channel, every radio show, and everything else. And you're saying that it's gotten coverage, but not much coverage. I believe. 
No, not much at all. I mean, I literally can tell you that there was about three stories uh, on television about it. Three. Okay. One of them was wow. talking about how it wasn't really all that big of a tourist attraction because we do have tourist attractions here in Georgia. Uh, you know, and, and frankly, look, I don't want to get into the controversy of it, but Stone Mountain is a tourist attraction. Um, oh, yeah. And it is, for lack of a better term, it's another work of art, let's say, uh, yeah. that that is, you know, there as a landmark somewhere in the state of Georgia. Now, it's got different reasons, purposes. There's a political debate over it, whatever. But it's still, if you just objectively say, look, it's something that people do want to come and see. Um, the Guidestones are not accountable for a lot of tourist uh, attraction in georgia and they made it very clear they had uh, people that keep track of this kind of thing in in that particular county uh saying that yeah people don't really come here to see the guidestones anyway which it was like okay that's one story uh of course the initial story was something happened here it was blown up here is security camera footage of it happening uh, now, I, I got to tell you that I didn't even realize that there was security cameras still on it because some years ago, uh, maybe two or three years ago, there was a, a, a bigger news story, it seemed like, when they were vandalized by people coming in with spray paint cans. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I'm aware of it um, in terms of from the time that so, well, I found out about it. You know, you were talking about being skeptical about the story. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by it, too. I was on YouTube, and I wound up on a panel of a, uh, let me see, of a channel. I believe it's called Cool Frog. Uh, I hope I got that right. I apologize if I did it. Okay. But I wound up on the panel because I've done a little research in the past on uh, the Georgia Guidestones. I'd found out about it, like, maybe a few years ago. Okay. And I was kind of taken aback by the fact that at least at this stage, it appears that there was an explosive that blew up, if I'm not mistaken, one of the slabs. And we'll get into the monument, but there are four slabs, basically. Right. It's constructed. It consists of four slabs and a center column, mm-hmm. and plus a capstone. And I'll go into more detail about that. But one of the slabs, from what I understand, the last that I heard or saw was with, because uh, there's several languages on it. Right. One of the slabs with, I think, two of the languages, uh, the eight languages of the on the slabs, I call them monoliths myself, but okay. slabs, um, got blown up. And the other three were standing along with the capstone, but they brought the entire edifice down. They had crews bring the entire edifice down. Right. So when I found out about this, and I saw the footage, and I looked at it, now, here's what you got to understand, that people, anybody listening in this Georgia who's been out to the Guidestones mm-hmm. knows what the area was like and the, right. what the area is like. That monument was located in what was uh, farmland, mm-hmm. pasturage. Um, and so you had about, what, five acres in which this monument, monument's on basically a platform foundation and it's got all this green pasturage acreage you know from you know that surrounds it right and if you look at this 
monument, first of all, I think it was part of the conditions. There are no, there's nothing else there. What you have is the monument itself. You have a kind of plaque, slab plaque on the ground, which mm -hmm. goes into the details of, of the monument. And then you have a kind of uh, upright, like on a platform, you have a small little, I guess, plaque itself, right. uh, which people can look at. Right. Kind of on a stand, or podium or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's it. And of course, before you get there, there's a fence mm -hmm. with an opening. And then you have a, a kind of, I guess the description I would say is kind of a space for cars. Right. One road coming in and out. Exactly. And then on the opposite side of the road, you have trees. See, exactly so, the point, which is why it's not super accessible from, you know, any major roadway. It's not like, look, you go to some of the um, Native American uh, areas here. There there are buildings and things like the Creek Indians have, have a huge piece of land where they have a spring and they have a very interesting uh, waterway there. Uh, they have a, a, a building that's like a visitor center that teaches you about the history of the Creek Indians, and there are plaques along the way. This wasn't even elaborate like that. It, it, like, there was mm -hmm. no information was center, nothing. It was just, you came yep. here to the middle of just about nowhere to visit this or not. That's it. It's one of the most no-frills monuments I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, you just go walk in. See it, go around it, look at it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else there. And, and the, so, yeah, and the odd thing but, is, Mister Lanier, the odd thing is though that uh, although some people, are, you know, they're they're saying, "Oh, this was like the American Stonehenge," I I found that weird too because it was like other than the stone being the common element here, it's not large, it's not ancient. <laughs> okay, it's it's not the American Stonehenge. I don't get that now. There are more extreme conspiracy theorists who believe that, you know, it absolutely speaks to it, it, it is literally the marker put down by the individuals that really do control the world. And this uh -huh. is what their intent is. And right. that would be from the inscription, which nobody ever bothers to read, by the way. I, I notice in all these videos and these people talking about it, they never right. bother to read beyond the very top part of this which indicates that uh, the human population on the planet should be held to 500,000 people. 500 million. 500 mil sorry, 500 million. But I, right. I don't blame you for it may, it may, you know, at probably thinking first glance 500,000. Yeah. Right. That'd be a neat trick if it were 500,000. Well, that would be, yeah, that would be <laughs> something. Be really worried. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but even so, 500 million is a hell of a reduction compared to what it is we have. What, what are we, uh, we're over 8 billion now, right? So yeah, I think so. Yeah, so not you're quite sure. Talking about one sixteenth of the population, so only one out of every sixteen people on the planet is supposed to continue to be here. But it doesn't say like we're going to murder everybody, except it no. just says you know. But but that's the way these people right. have gone. And, I, and, and I'll yeah. get into that. But I did want to kind of finish up on the description. The okay. Yeah. The, the, so we we know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And people who look at the videos. Now, there was a car that showed, at least in some of the CBS footage I saw. Mm -hmm. There was a car on the opposite end of the road. So 
not the side where the monument is, but on the opposite. Mm -hmm. It was like a gray car that I saw. I've also seen footage. This was footage, I believe, was released by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or GBI, mm -hmm. of a figure in black, that, that, or dark. I can't know if it's black or dark. It appears to be running. Now, they may have used time lapse or, you know, cut the, the speed on that so they could speed it up, but... Well, some security cam, yeah, some security cam footage just naturally in order to save uh, space and data or in the old days tape, uh, they would not necessarily film things in real time. You might have a sped up effect because they're using less frames, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this is one of those things where it's like uh, being digitally time lapsed naturally anyway or whatever. Um, but also, it's rather grainy. It's not, you know, super high def. I, I, I know in convenience no, stores, you know, near me, they have high def stuff where you can see the colors of everything. You know, you, you can literally zoom in and take a look at the uh, 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 pen marks on a dollar bill if you want, right? Close up. Um, right. And you can tell what color it is. This stuff is grainy, black and white. And again, I wasn't even aware that there were security cameras there. Because uh, I thought well, they had yeah. to install them. I believe. Well, the county is responsible for the Georgia Guidestones, or was responsible. Not sure what the future of uh, that monument will be, or that area will be mm -hmm. at this point. But they were uh, the county, which is uh, Elbert County, there in Georgia. Mm -hmm. They were responsible uh, for the monument. And so they had to eventually put up cameras because you had, after a number of years that this monument was put up, you had vandalism, graffiti, all kinds of stuff happening. Because right. when you look at it, to my knowledge, there is no, at least from what I've seen, again, there are no structures other than the monument. There were no structures of the monument. Right. You have the monument, you had this plaque on the ground. I call it a slab plaque on the ground. And then you had this other plaque on a kind of uh, stand. And that's and you have a fence. You have a parking area. You have a road leading into it and out. And also that same road leading out. Right. And that's it. No, that's, that's it. that is and it. So, yeah. Right. So it's clear, based on the footage I've seen, because I was going over this on the YouTube panel, I said someone would have to have parked on the opposite side of the road, come across the road, head into there, place an explosive precisely near one of the panels. Because you have to keep in mind, mm -hmm. it was one of the slabs, or one of, as I like to call them, monoliths, but one of the slabs that got blown up. Right. The entire edifice was not blown up. This is one of the suspicious things about this encounter. I said, now, wait a minute. This individual, whoever or whoever was responsible for this, went to put explosive to blow up one part of this. Right. Not the entire edifice but one part of this. So the question I would have in that regard is why? If the intent was to bring down the Guidestones, 
why place a charge that will only blow up well, 25% or so of it? Hmm. Why not something that'll bring down the entire edifice? Well, yeah, that is I don't a know. Those questions question. are being asked by, by media there locally in Georgia. I'm sure law enforcement, I hope, are asking those questions. I don't know. But that's strange. Well, in fairness, the GBI always keeps their investigations rather close to the vest mm-hmm. unless they're forced right. by really a lot of repeated uh, inquiries from the press. They're not right. They're not the type. Uh, this is the way it is. And a lot of states have uh, their own uh, uh, Bureau of Investigation. But Georgia's right. is pretty they're intense. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're well, this is separate from the Georgia State Police, mind you, the GBI. Um, oh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, and and they're very intense about keeping a lid on almost anything they investigate. So, I'm not surprised that they're very tight-lipped. Some people have said, "Well, they're very tight-lipped," and that's a, no, that's not suspicious at all. It is weird that I'm not seeing the media actively asking questions like this or, or pressing them um, because there was there was a brief uh, a press briefing about it. Uh-huh. And uh, they they just really didn't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, this is what happened. Now, very weird uh-huh. because you're asking an honest question here where it's like, okay, if you're looking to blow up the whole thing, then how come somebody didn't put charges at the basis of all of it and bring the whole yeah. thing down? But here's the, here's the answer I have in my mind about it. Um, mm-hmm. The county becomes responsible for this property which right. is now almost a nuisance if it's not generating revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So it is possible that somebody... Now, now here's a motive you're not going to hear from anybody else, that somebody thought it was time to clear this thing away and willful destruction of property the county is responsible for would create a problem. Maybe you just send somebody in there to do it off the books... And this way, oh, mm-hmm. listen, now we can knock the rest of it down. It's it's now a hazard. Um, right. And, and right. this way, they clear something off of their plate that they don't have to maintain. You know, they don't have to have garbage cans out there. They don't have to clean up graffiti or any of the garbage that people decide to throw at it or buy it or whatever. Uh, I've heard stories about people defecating uh, 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 around the monument. <laughs> okay. Stuff like this. And uh, look, after a while, maybe the county guys say, look, I, I don't want to keep sending maintenance people over there for something mm-hmm. that is not attracting uh, revenue uh, one way or another, not tourists. And mm-hmm. it, there's no direct exchange. It's not like you go there and buy, you know, normally if a county is responsible for something like this, they set up, you know, at the very least a gift shop. Right. And like, you know, mm-hmm. buy your postcards of I was at the Georgia Guidestone, whatever. Right. Seven dollars. And this way the county recoups some money for having to maintain this thing. There was no sort of action like that where that this was not a moneymaker. So right. I'm thinking that that's part of it. But the other thing is, I got to tell you that, uh, look, let us never forget that, that I'm sitting here in the Bible Belt. Okay. And... Mm-hmm. When uh, certain intense people of particular religious persuasions uh, get ideas in their head, they might do something like this to actively right. sabotage or destroy something. Now, I will tell you that since it's happened, uh, another odd thing is uh, nobody has claimed responsibility for it. 
And I, mm-hmm. I live in a state where people like to claim responsibility. They're more than happy to come out and talk to the media. I mean, if you uh, recall uh, uh, guys like Chris Hill and uh, uh, some of these others that are part of different militia groups here in Georgia, the second mm-hmm. that something has emerged nationally, they have been more than happy to go to Vice News, who they're not you know, exactly in league with, or Fox or anybody else, and say, here's how we, we see it, and we're responsible for this, or we're not responsible... This kind of thing is normal here for very politically intense groups. I'll tell you this. Preachers in Georgia have no problem going to the cameras. I mean, look, we just put one in the Senate not too long ago, right? Warnock, uh, minister, okay? Ministers, very popular here in Georgia. It's very strange that nobody has claimed responsibility, and nobody seems to uh, have a handle, okay, on who actually could have done this directly. Mm-hmm. So it well, but the rumors but the rumors the are strange because it's like in support of it where we're very glad this happened. This is a good mm-hmm. thing. It is a very good Christian thing that somebody did. I'm not kidding you. This is and I don't see this in the national news or anything cuz even the national news kind of mentioned it and dropped it. I mean, they've got the right. January 6th committee and all that to follow up on, but right. The thing is they kind of mentioned it and dropped it and they're not talking about what people are saying here in Georgia or any of the pronouncements from the GBI, which have been very limited. Nothing. It's just, here, something happened, they knocked it down, it's over. Very weird to well, me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, the whole thing, I wasn't aware, because I've been uh, doing follow-up research, you know, follow-up research. Sure. I, in preparation for any discussion I may have about the Guidestones, because I was on YouTube discussing it. Right. And so I'm doing this show as well. Um, so I was doing follow-up research, and I did try to you know, see what I could about what was going on there in Georgia with what was, I guess, the side of, uh, of the Guidestones. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that there isn't a lot of coverage of this in Georgia right. from local media there. It's also interesting to me that there isn't a lot of questions raised obvious questions or aspects raised by local media there based on what you're seeing about what's going on here. Mm. It's pretty clear this is about as mysterious as it gets. Yeah. The whole aspect of the Georgia Guidestones is shrouded in mystery and secrecy. And you would think that with this monument that reporters and news outlets and other publications and aspects would have a field day with this, mm-hmm. that they would be chomping at the bit to have interesting stories. And I'm sure they've done some stories. And it's clear, I've seen some of the news reports. Right. But it seems rather matter of fact. Yeah. I mean, this is matter of fact reporting that I've seen. I mean, it, it's, and it's strange to me, as somebody who was a reporter for over 20 years, I'm like, this is the kind of thing, this is the kind of story that is it that is in and of itself sensational mm-hmm. you don't need to sensationalize it it's sensational and it's kind of been treated as kind of pedestrian and boilerplate in every in every day from what i'm seeing now mm-hmm. i don't know the local aspect of the georgia guidestones cuz i haven't been there but so i don't know if people had a sort of you know blase blase attitude about it um, or 
you know, didn't regard it as that interesting. Yeah, well, there but, are there are a series but, of interesting structures in this state, right? Uh, that have been erected for different reasons. There, there's a, there's a pyramid in Warner Robins. This is just the stuff I've seen. Okay, there's a pyramid in Warner Robins that somebody built. It was part of some sort of religious cult, uh, and then the uh, the cult leader was uh, arrested. That made headlines a few years back, um, and and the cult was shut down. But the pyramid remains. Okay, uh, there's a lot of interesting historical buildings that have been preserved. For one reason or another, as I said, you, you have uh, it's the home of uh, Civil War monuments of all sorts, including one of the biggest ones in history, which is, you know, the, the one at Stone Mountain. Right. Uh, you, you have. And like I said, even the uh, Indian reservation stuff that I was talking about, there's actually a bunch of them dotted around the state. I, I just mentioned the one, the Creek Indians, which are nearest to me in Macon. Uh, but there, there's a whole uh, building dedicated to the curse that was uh, placed on the settlers, right? Which is, uh, it, it's a weird-looking thing. It, it, it's almost like pseudo, like they're trying to make it look like maybe it's a Native American structure that they built just to go there. They have a gift shop just for the curse that they put on the uh, the people of Macon, <laughs> okay? Like, what I'm saying is wow. there, there's always, like, a commerce to this. You go to Stone Mountain, there's a gift shop. There's a whole experience there. There's people that will photograph themselves from a, an observation point. Uh, there's a lot more extensive parking than there was uh, over there at uh, at the Georgia Guidestones. Very strange in that the way they've even done the matter-of-fact reporting, and it seems to be consistent uh, even with the national news, is that they don't even actually explain what the Guidestones are. They just say uh-huh. that it's just, uh, well, America's Stonehenge, it's an odd monument. It's been there uh, about 50 years, right. whatever. That's it. Done. Uh, they they don't ever explain or tell any of the story like I've right. just done in brief about, you know, look, there's this guy who walks into the Granite Company one day. His name is R.C. Christian, and this is according to a book published by, oddly enough, the Granite Company. Uh, the, the name R.C. Christian, by the way, appears to be a pseudonym because nobody could ever track the guy down. But he paid to have the guidestones made, right? And right. and and there's an interesting, you know, interesting tidbits in this uh, book. It's not not much to it. Uh, nobody has ever really uh, adequately laid out what organization wanted this thing built, or if there was a group of men who decided, or if it was just the idea of one individual to create this thing. At a certain point, the land passes into the hands of the county, right? And nobody really even has a clear... St- but what I'm saying is there's a whole bunch of aspects here that somebody could, de- you know, devote 10 minutes to, at least on TV, to right. lay it out. And they don't. Well, it's so, that's, yeah. that's precisely my point. You have a story that has inherent intrigue in terms of its sensational value. Right. It would interest people at least at least to get them, you know, mildly intrigued at, at this. Well, even if it and was it's just not developed. Yeah, even if it was just one of those, hey, I didn't know anything about that before, kind of interest stories, right? Like you suddenly learn you got something that's a, a historical landmark uh, nearby to you. You read about it and you go, I mean, maybe you wouldn't do that because you probably know everything that's around you, but I'm saying a lot of other people. 
they'll go, well, I didn't know there was a historic landmark nearby. Uh, I knew people that lived in New Jersey 10 minutes away from, you know, one of those Washington slept here kind of houses, right? Didn't, didn't know it until they would read about it in the paper or something. And they would go, huh, maybe I'll go see that. And I know that that used to be uh, a way that tourism was developed. And on occasion, there would be people that would actually uh, create stories like this or have a story written in order to draw attention. As I said, there was no monetary value to this thing to the county. So they didn't have a motive, say, to have stories written about it. I don't know if that's the whole of the answer here, because even the people in independent media who were almost obsessed with it on a weird level where they would talk about the Freemasons and secret societies, and inevitably Mm -hmm. the Georgia Guidestones would come up in the discussion, and they would talk about population control and then drop it. They didn't know, most of them, what was going on with this thing. Right. And so, weirdly, the only odd thing that they did after that, the independent media so far, Mr. Lanier, I don't know if you saw this, is is talking about the uh, the alleged time capsule. That's the right. only thing that they talked right. about, and somebody floated out there, uh, apparently it's not real, but this, uh, you know, here's what was actually in the time capsule, and it, it was an eight-track tape of, uh, I don't know, Saturday Night Fever, some other stuff, <laughs> you know, weird stuff that would be, like, from the 70s. That is right. just uh, sort of like a, a cultural grab so, bag of nonsense, right. and that's it. So yeah. here's what I want. So because this doesn't seem, according, and I was quite, I was a little surprised to hear this, mm. though in some respects not surprised. Okay. What seems to be the case is that this entire project, this monument, which was shrouded in mystery, right, was did not only develop a degree of discussion in Georgia, which, as you mentioned, is the Bible Bill, but also probably a degree of opposition primarily from the religious community, either in the town that is located in the county, the town of Elberton and the, the county of Elbert County. Yes. And so it was the ministers, the Christian ministers, and the religious community that had from what I understand, disdain and I think disgust with the Georgia Guidestone. In fact, you even had some politicians. There was a uh, Republican candidate for governor that called for them to call for the Guidestones to be destroyed. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> and I, so, I'm, I'm laughing for a reason. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> because so, she called for it just before it happened. Right. On Twitter, right. and then immediately had to backpedal away. Like I, whoa, 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 I didn't do this. Uh, I would, I would lawfully right. remove it. I, I found that to be a very oh, comical no. aspect of this. But go ahead, yeah. Right. So it's all there. Just talk about just what are the guides mm-hmm. and what what you know. We don't know a lot about. Guidestone, but we do know certain things about them. Right. Again, as I mentioned, it's surrounded in mystery and surrounded in secret, deliberately so. And that's, quite frankly, one of the things that I found not only off-putting about it, but intriguing about it, was I had never come across a monument this secretive in its design and execution. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not so much the execution, but the so let's go back. 
let's go back. We now know that the tombstones had to come down because of the explosion. They were taken down. Right. But let's go back. You talk about the journal or the, the book that's put out by the sort of granite um, companies, uh, the granite interest there in, in Elbert County in Elbert. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the narrative that usually that we hear in regards to the guide zones or that people are taught or that you see in documentaries or in videos? It's basically this. In the summer of 1979, in June of 1979, there was a mysterious individual who went by, it was later found out, the pseudonym. And not pseudonym, which was what was stated on the slab plaque there at the guide show, because it says R.C. Christian, a pseudonym. This was the name of that individual, R.C. Christian, who admitted at one point, ostensibly or reportedly, that this was a pseudonym. So this R.C. Christian comes into Elberton. Now, Elberton is known, this town of Elberton, which has, what, over 4,000 people, basically, small town. Basically, it was known as, and is probably still known as, the granite capital of the world because of its not only beyond significant, but massive granite deposits, Mm -hmm. right? It's a place where people would come. And there are a number of companies there that deal in granite. Granite is used in such aspects as war memorials and tombstones and other monuments, right? Right. So this... R.C. Christian comes into this town, known primarily for granite, and I'd say probably only for granite. Mm-hmm. And he comes into a company known as the Elberton Granite Finishing Company, right. run by a guy called Joe Finley. Now, he comes in, he talks to Finley, and he tells Finley of his plan. This is what he wants. He wants to build, as I mentioned before, a monument, four slabs of granite with ten precepts. I call them guide stones. I'm sorry, guidelines, because they're guide stones. Ten precepts or guidelines written on the stones. Mm -hmm. One of them would be in English, but the rest would be in Spanish. Swahili, Hindi, Arabic, Hebrew, Chinese, and Russian, considered the major languages in the world, or at least that was the belief of this individual or the individual behind it. Now, right. these are the four slabs. They were written. So you have a language on one side and a language on the other, right? Mm-hmm. So... But you have these four slabs. Right. On the top, you have a capstone. And the capstone consists of a, of a, um, of a, of a message itself. 
Hmm. And the message is, let these be guidestones to an age of reading. And these are arranged in four ancient languages, mm-hmm. right? So the Slavs themselves are more everyday modern languages, not in ancient form. Mm-hmm. And these ancient languages on the caps, with that message of let these be guidestones to an age of reason, were to be in Egyptian hieroglyphic, in cuneiform, Babylonian cuneiform, classical Greek, and sense. Mm-hmm. So, four ancient languages on a caps on top, which sits on top of four slabs of granite with ten precepts, or as I call them, guidelines. Now, these precepts or guidelines consist of the following, or consisted of the following. <coughs> Mm-hmm. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, probably one of the best known or the best known of the precepts. Right. Um, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Mm-hmm. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws, and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duty. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And finally, be not a cancer on the earth, Leave room for nature. Mm-hmm. Leave room for nature. Those were the ten <coughs> precepts, or as I call them, guidelines, right. that were on each of the four slabs. So that was the plan, Georgia Guidestones, and that was the Georgia Guidestones. Now, let me just finish by saying in the middle there is a, or was a center column. Mm-hmm. Chiseled into the center column, they were cut out, there was a slot with a hole at the end. Now, what was apparent was this wasn't just meant to be a monument with the ten precepts I mentioned and the message on the capstone. It was also meant to be an astronomical device mm-hmm. and a calendar. You know, some people have mentioned that this would conform to what is known as uh, Archaeoastronomy, right? Where the peoples uh, basically hundreds of years ago, maybe millennia ago, would erect uh, structures and use them in regards to the seasons into, and also in terms of the stars. Right. So that was the plan of this Georgia Guides. And so when Joe Fenley was told this, reportedly, he didn't know what to make of this. I was cr- supposedly crazy. Um, and if you are to believe the reports that have come out or the narrative, at one point he had quoted a price that was higher than the typical estimate. Right. But this R.C. Christian decided to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So... He went down to a local bank there in Elberton, known as the Granite City Bank. My understanding is it's no longer around, but it was around. Right. It's managed by a guy called Wyatt Martin. 
He was a manager. Mm -hmm. So this R.C. Christian came in, talked to Wyatt Martin about the project. And basically, from what I understand, there was an account set up at the bank where monies would be put in and payment made to Joe Fenley's company, which would be handling the project. Good. Now, uh, my understanding is that Martin demanded at some point or wanted to know what this man's real name was because he said, you know, it'd be kind of unusual to go and do this if I don't know who you are, what you are. Mm -hmm. And so the story goes that this R.C. Christian did give Wyatt Martin his name, his real name, but said that he could not divulge or tell that name to anyone else, tell his real name. Couldn't yeah. make that known. So, you know, so the project gets going in the summer of 1979 and onward, and by March 22nd, 1980, the Georgia Guidestones, fully erect, and fully erected, I should say, are unveiled to the public. Right. Now, that is the story. Now, the just to give some data about this Georgia Guidestone, or what it was, you're talking about 19-foot, 3-inch slabs, or I call them monolith, mm. right? I believe... Total weight was 237,746 pounds. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I think that was from the, the ground to the top, I think, including the capstone. Okay. Right. I think each slab or monolith was at least 16 foot 4 inches high, 47,000 pounds each. Okay. Capstone, 9 foot 8 inches long, 6 feet 6 inches wide, 24,000 pounds. Yeah. So, right, and everything was made of granite, of course. So they had to, you know, be able to cut this out of the the quarries there in Elberton, right, and be able to work on this. This was a huge project. Now, um, I think at one point, not only did he bring in, he brought in a scale model. This RC Christian had brought in a scale model, and what I understand was like a shoebox. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it was a scale model in a shoebox okay. uh, of this, you know, basic scale model. So that gives you an idea of the story of the Georgia Guidestones. Now, both Fenley, Joe Fenley, and Wyatt Martin were at the dedication okay. to these. Now, who is R.C. Christian? That's probably what people listening to this would want to know. See, and the that, answer. Yeah, that's is, a key question. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was and just going to say. Yeah, I was just going to say ahead. one thing about it really fast. Is that in the course of banking, it's normal if you have a big project like this and you're paying for it bit by bit to have a third party involved. It's like escrow when you buy a house, right? right? So, this kind of thing is all normal, except one thing is weird about that. Somebody at some point has to have a real name for this guy because you can't do yeah. a banking transaction. Without, you know, unless there was a shell company created. And, that's right. That's, you know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And now I will say this. It's a good you made that point. And that's probably why Wyatt Martin, according to what he said, demanded to know this guy's name. Right. Because I'm thinking, wouldn't this guy's name 
have, if you wanted to know the name, I guess they wouldn't put the name in the documents, or would they? They would have to divulge some name or something like that. Yeah. Now, uh, again, you know, in looking into this, I'm looking at this. Your point about shell companies is understandable. Now, according to this R.C. Christian and the lore and the story of this, mm-hmm. there were, and it says this on the, the slab um, plaque on the ground, yeah. a small group of Americans who seeks the age of reason. That right. was a group on which R.C. Christian was conducting business for and conducting uh the construction on the monument for right. supposedly this project was 20 years in the making and so again questions are raised who is R.C. Christian right. the answer from what I understand is we don't know that's now, all yeah that's all I've been able to gather about it the story kind of fizzles there and even people that have been right. fascinated by this have been stuck at exactly that point. This guy, and it does look like a made-up name, if you think about it, R.C. Christian, there's probably a, a right. 20 different things you could interpret from that name. I've heard people say, well, maybe it's a Rosicrucian thing. Uh, perhaps right. this is a representative of, and you know, Freemasons, and the lore of uh, right. Freemasonry here in Georgia is large. Okay, just uh-huh. so you know. Right. I mean, you look around at... Uh, a lot of the older buildings, you'll see references, symbols, all kinds of things in plain sight where the Freemasons are players here, okay? They definitely are. They still control yeah. uh, a lot of things politically and all that. As, you know, uh, I'm, look, I'm not going full on, you know, uh, <laughs> Dan Brown right. here or anything. Well, but, you had at least a couple of Masons involved with this project. Right. Now, Wayne Mullinax, who sold the land... Uh, he owned a construction company, and I believe he's like a rancher, mm-hmm. farmer, rancher. Um, he, I believe he was a Mason. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe Joe Fenley was as well. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of Masons involved in this project. Right. So when you, when you talk about that, you know, you know to be brutally honest, um, now we don't know who R.C. Christian is. Right. Yet. It's very clear, and it, it's admitted that this was a pseudonym. Right. And so, and we, and according to again, what's on the plaque, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. Now, in the research I've done, it Wyatt Martin was interviewed a couple times. He's been on in a document, couple documentaries or mm-hmm. a couple of shows, and he stated that R.C. Christian admitted that he chose that name because he was Christian. Right. Now, here's the strange part. Now, here, now we're getting into the realm of investigating mm. in the time that we have. So let's look at this. I believe that this R.C. Christian name was chosen because this was the Bible. Belt. Right. And, of course, religion is very important, not only in Georgia, but in various parts of the South. And the strange part about this is, if you look at the, if you listen to the pre, uh, to the precepts that I mentioned, none of them have any specific religious significance or import. The closest that come to that are the term faith in one of the guidelines, as I call them, 
and the term infinite. Mm -hmm. That's the closest you get to anything of a religious nature. In fact, what seems to be promoted is not anything of a spiritual nature or religious nature, but of a generally secular nature and um, sort of non-religious nature, right? Okay, now that is the way a reasonable person trying to be objective about it would read it, okay? Here's the problem. Some people who have been vaguely exposed, and I'm just going to tell you that this is not necessarily my belief at all, but some people uh -huh. who have been vaguely exposed to the concepts of paganism believe uh -huh. that they are looking at something that represents a pagan perspective. Okay, right. because of the, the mentions of nature and being in balance and things like that, which, you know, apparently don't exactly comport with Christianity because all that is up to God's, you know, will right. uh, from these people's point of view, not mine. Okay. Right. The other thing is that there are people that are very concerned about the transhumanist agenda. And I'm going to give you mm -hmm. a little bit extra time here, by the way, just so you know, because I know I'm running my okay. mouth here uh, to okay. let you complete okay. your thought if you don't mind. Right. But yeah. um, but the thing is, uh, there are people that, and, and I don't necessarily agree or disagree with this again, okay? i just just offering it. That this fits with the transhumanist agenda. This concept oh, yeah. about a new living language. And mm -hmm. the type of language that's used there regarding this and this attempt to uh, create a confluence of, first of all, dead languages on the capstone. And then the essential living languages that one could almost uh, definitely, uh, until you go into, well, there's maybe a couple of languages like uh, in the East, okay? There, there are some uh, languages in Asia that you could not really relate this to one way or another. You can almost create a bridge from the essential other languages to many others. You know, if you can understand Spanish and English, you could probably figure out what this says if you are accustomed to reading Italian, so on and so forth, right? Um, so what I'm saying is this is almost a universal thing and almost like it's a convergence of the, the linguistics. And some people think that this is about making a relatable languages between machines and man. Now, nowhere on here does this mention machines, and yet, no. it sounds similar, though, to some of the rhetoric from transhumanists, really, people that do believe man and machine should be one, okay, uh, that, that talk about this philosophically and how there needs to be a, a point of organic interface, right, with men. You can't just inject chips into people and expect it to work. You're going to have to have an organic sort of uh, version of the interface. So... There are people that read a lot of things into this, and yet, as you just read it, uh, to the best of my understanding, that's exactly what it said. Uh, I never looked at it up close personally with my own eyes, but from photographs and uh, other written things about it, that's what it said, and I don't speak all the languages that these things were written in. But, to the best of my understanding, what you said is exactly what was on there. Uh, mm -hmm. Which does sound, again, objectively almost like somebody is wanting to encourage a time of reason. Now, it's a little disturbing to say, well, if you're going from 1980 when this was erected and taking a look at the world population then, it wasn't 8 billion. 
but it was still high enough that this is a significant reduction that they're talking about would need to be made to comply with what you have here. Um, and, you know, the, the, respecting beauty and truth and all that, those are very general sort of vanilla, common, you know, not not even moral statements, but sort of just like uh, good manners almost, right? Uh, you, you got... Um, you know, get rid of petty laws. Get rid of useless people that are in charge one way or another. It, it it almost sounds even libertarian to some people. Again, they read different things into this. And, uh, I mean, look, it, it would be a grand cosmic joke if just one guy who had enough money to do this decided this would be hilarious to, to create a mystery. And I wouldn't put that past somebody, by the way. Uh, who might have had lots of money and wanted to invest in something that they thought would uh, live beyond them. Now, the other thing about this R.C. Christian is not only do we not know the identity, but we don't really even know what happened to this person afterwards. Like, we don't really have a good indication, even from the guy who says he knew his name. Uh, anything else? Whatever, whatever happened to this guy afterwards? Well, Did he do something else? supposedly right? there was a book written by a Robert Christian in 1986, called mm-hmm. Common Sense Renewed. Right. And that, of course, dealt with Thomas Paine. You know, part of that was Thomas Paine, who had wrote, written Common Sense. Right. Thomas Paine himself was a basically a deist. But the, um, the message on the slab makes uh, notes uh, that it, not only with the group, it says a small group of Americans who seek the age of but also on the capstone of let these be diestones with age of reason. You right. also see reason stated in the one of the precepts, or as I call them, guidelines, on the slabs themselves that says rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Right? So reason is a big part of this. Now, Age of Reason was a book also by Thomas Paine. Right. Which was very critical of religion. Um, I, like I said, I believe Paine himself was at least, from what I understand, deist. Um, so it's very clear that when you look at these guidelines or precepts on the guidestone, that these, this is why I said these are not religious, these are secular. And I would also argue that, the, which explains why the religious communities so dislike and dislike and dislike even to this day the guidestone. See, well, wait a minute. I'm not sure that that's a good reason to say that. And I'll tell you, and we're going to go about 10, 10 minutes after here just to make sure you get everything in. But I'm not even sure that that's right, because to me, this stuff is vaguely uh, in line with what you're talking about. Uh, the Thomas Paine ideals, you know, a general sort of uh, uh, not so uh, a spicy version of. Um, you know, good, let's, let's be reasonable. Let's, let's actually reason together. Nobody has an exclusive sort of, you know, like these are the people of reason and the rest of you are not. Uh, but a lot of people think that way about their points of view. So to me, this is still very general. It's not very specific. I don't see a grand offense to, I mean, unless you're really, really concerned about anybody being involved in, Reproduction. I mean, that would be another thing, especially given the recent, you know, issues with Roe v. Wade and all that. Somebody right. could say, oh, how dare anybody decide that they want to control, the, you know, the, the uh, uh, reproductive rights of anybody. 
okay, okay, but everybody calm down. This doesn't necessarily say that somebody has to control it. This could be a philosophical offering, which is no offense to anybody. It's, it's very weird to me that people will take offense to this, see very deep, dark, nefarious uh, ends to it. And I'm not saying you. I'm just saying you and me are talking about right. this objectively. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But it, I could see, in looking at this, why the religious communities don't like it. Because, one, they're not overtly spiritual or have any aspect to do with spirituality or religion. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they are, in general, secular. And here's probably a point that I think people who look at this, and my assessment is different from a lot of the more popular assessments. People look at this and see it as a Ten Commandments, a more secular Ten Commandments. I would disagree. I don't think they're Ten Commandments. You could see them as commandments, but they're not Ten Commandments. They're more Ten Amendments. See, are they amendments or are they suggestions? Like like a a law code. Okay. So what I really think that this is, is not, again, because I don't, it's not itself, these precepts are not religiously based and spiritually based. They are more secularly based, right? right? And so it relates more to law, because what people have done is they've looked at the top one, which says, maintain humanity under 500 million perpetual balance with nature. Yeah. And they've freaked out because they say, well, that's calling for uh, global genocide. Population reduction um, is usually the thing. Population reduction. Okay, so here, here's my big question what for they, you. I, I got a right. question so for you they, right here because what, what they don't. Yeah. But here's what they don't look at. Mm-hmm. Look at most of some of these precepts. Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? They're well, talking about law and law and legal aspects to some extent. Yeah. They're stating let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Uh, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Avoid yep. petty laws. And useless officials. See, but law, the, yeah. some aspect of law comes up more, uh, at least two or three times in these precepts. And so, okay. what the focus is on the 500 million in perpetual balance, population control. Right. But what this really is, from what my assessment is, is really more of a very generic and basic law code. Generic is a perfect descriptor because to me, I'm just going to throw this in there because I see it this way, almost like you, but I don't see it as an amendment. This to me more looks like a description that is the spirit of what could be a set of commandments or laws, like without the without the definition, because just to say that you should prize beauty and truth. um, Right. What what does that actually mean, Sharply? Does that mean that in all communications you should... Do, it's not specific. It's very generic. It's very right. hands-off, sort of like this is the spirit of what it is we should be doing. Um, and most of it, when you're talking about you know being tempered, about passion, I mean, who d- does anybody say, no, embrace all of your passions and just go... Who says that from a spiritual, philosophical... I mean, I know there are some people that do, but I mean, in general, most sane people would not tell you to amp up your passions, but to be reasonable about them, right? 
and mm-hmm. to move forward with them. I mean, everybody's got different methodologies and so on. But to me, this doesn't even begin to look like laws or commandments or any of that. And yet, somehow it's taken as an affront. It's very weird to me. I'm not saying that I'm a, I love the Georgia Guidestones. I, I think right. it was a very weird thing that you somebody did. You don't understand did. why people yeah. are so why people were so offended by. It. Yeah, the intense reaction. And I and mm-hmm. I look at it and I can see why the religious community there were hmm. because they are secular in nature and they're a law code, but and they're arranged like it may seem like the Ten Commandments because they're ten. So that gets them agitated and upset. And again, I see it. And here's another point. Hmm. Although I don't, although these precepts and guidelines are secular and clearly rationalist, logical rationalist in their orientation, what's also apparent is that whoever designed this, whoever wanted this put up, whoever was behind this, was someone who had a knowledge of what I would call esoteric matters, mm-hmm. of pre-Christian um, religions and ancient structure. That's why it's called America's Stonehenge. Because if you look at some of these ancient structures, when they use stone, they might have built a temple or something uh, else like it. But these structures put up stone, and they put them because they're intended to last, right? Right. But this harks back to ancient knowledge, to ancient structures. So it's interesting. You're basically creating, after all, you're, you're creating a structure that can be used mm. to look at the stars to some extent, right. or at least the North Star, but also the seasons, the calendar for the seasons. Again, right. it's someone with esoteric knowledge, knowledge of the past, what might be bluntly called pagan societies. I don't like the term, but I'll just use the term. Pagan societies, pre-Christian societies, and belief systems. So here's the rub. This person creates a structure that clearly could mimic these ancient spiritual structures. But it's not spiritual at all. Mm -hmm. It's rational and secular. So that's and that's the thing about the guidestones. That's why they are so intriguing. I realized right. what I what I see when I analyzed it. I said this was designed in such a way as to throw people off. See, now there you and I come to an absolute agreement because there's there's a bunch of aspects to this and and a couple of things you didn't mention. First of all, mm-hmm. the the way it's created and the material it's created from, quite frankly, what do these granite companies do a lot of work on generally speaking? Sure, some people use it in architecture, but frankly, when it comes to monuments in, uh, in, in in graveyards, okay? This is a lot of what their actual business is. I mean, I don't know about that specific company, but a lot of the companies that are engaged in, in sourcing that granite there, that's what they make, headstones. Okay, so first of all, there there's a lot of connotations to that for people symbolically. Secondly, anything that, it, that appears to be... Uh, uh, spiritual or to give guidance to society in general that is not part of the let's just let's just call a spade a spade here that is not part of the Baptist system here in Georgia frankly mm-hmm. uh, is an affront to them automatically right 
Okay, yep. and it doesn't matter if it's the gaudy megachurch or it's the preacher who's got, you know, the 300-year-old schoolhouse that he repurposed and has 10 people that come every Sunday. It doesn't matter. It's an affront to that as a whole, right? So there's that aspect of it. Uh, there is the uh, suspicion of the, you know, bizarre, twisted, satanic end of things mm -hmm. that comes into play because anything that uh, begins to touch upon the Freemasons... Uh, also leads some people to believe it's automatically a satanic thing in general. Right. Uh, right. The idea that astrology is is part of this in one way or another because it literally does function as a calendar. Like the idea of solar calendars and things like this and, and sundials is very mm -hmm. scary to some people who say, look, I get everything I need from my Bible, you know. Right, uh, right. Not realizing that, uh, you know, even when, when Christianity was first generated into existence, uh, I'm very sure that nobody had, well, you know, grandfather clocks, okay? You, you, you had to know the time of day by where the sun was in the sky, and that's just the way it was. Um, so, but, the, but these things are more advanced. You can literally tell by the position of where things come through on a calendar. A lot of these solar calendars also forgotten. You can tell what year it is. You can tell based on the position of the sun in the sky, given where you are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that aspect creeps out some of these people that say, nope, nope, I don't want to hear anything but yeah. what comes from the yeah, Baptist church. Some of them sound yeah. like they, they, it's very clear they think that this has something to do with other elements that are antithetical to their belief system. That's a better um, way of putting it. so they it, yeah. feel very threatened by very threatening yeah. from what I have heard of some of these ministers and others that have right. talked about it. And as I mentioned in my assessment, this is clearly not tied to their religion or their belief system. Uh, it is clearly secular. It is clearly rationalist. It is clearly... So when you hear this, that this so-called R.C. Christian supposedly had told Wyatt Martin that he was a Christian. Mm -hmm. Again, I... All of this seems like uh, a charade. If this guy, and if this story checks out, if this, right. um, it seems like a charade. Whoever this man was, if this man existed, mm -hmm. he clearly was an intermediary for other interests. And these interests, whomever they are, were behind this for right. whatever their reasons were. Well, now, I would, I would say that I either he was. Well, I would say that either he's an intermediary for a group of other individuals, which he may or may not have been a part of, or he is somebody who wanted to make sure that his identity was murky enough that if this was just something dreamed up in his own head, you ever after have a whole bunch of story to unpack that doesn't necessarily go anywhere. Because, look, if I wanted to hide my identity, maybe I would use a pseudonym, and maybe I would sit there and create a whole circumstance around it. Say that I represent a group of people. Uh, say that I have an organization. Uh, like I said, create a shell company. Why not? An LLC is easy enough to create. And in 1980, we didn't have computer cross-checks on this kind of stuff, right? Right. So, and, and the guy could have walked in there with a false ID and done it off of, you know, a, a right. bought uh, social security number. I mean, that was possible in 1980 at the completion of the project sure. or when the sure financing was. was done. But he didn't do that. He intentionally left it so that you have a bit of a mystery built into this. 
So based on his intent, he's either representing a group of people who didn't want their identities known or he himself is representing himself and doesn't want his identity known. But either way, it's been done well enough that I don't think anybody has ever actually revealed who this R.C. Christian was. I don't think anybody has ever adequately uh, answered the question as to who that small group of Americans was. And yet, this thing has now been destroyed, guess what, by people that we don't know who they are. (laughs) We don't know what their purpose was. Yeah, and this gets into my... I'm not somebody who is into numerology or numbers or anything like that. But even I have to admit, when you look at the numbers, you do have to pay attention to the numbers here. This was commissioned on March 22nd, Mm -hmm. 1980. The structure lasted for 42 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the structure was uh, it had a bomb placed on it, exploded, and then came down in 2020. So two plays a significant role for whatever reason mm-hmm. when it comes to this Georgia Guidestone. And the impression that I get if I had to use my instinct, was that this didn't happen by accident. Yep. That this was deliberately planned. It was deliter- deliberately planned. Uh, I'm certain of that. Uh, now, mm-hmm. I, I have seen the rumor that maybe somebody used an RPG to take it out because it's not conclusive about this uh, dark-clad individual that may or may not have left something there. Um I've I've heard some speculations, but again, it's not the media even doing it. it it's just on a local level in this state, uh, people are fairly pleased, like that politician who, again, had to come up with a whole explanation as to, I wasn't behind this, mm-hmm. I meant I was going to take it down lawfully, which I found hilarious. But either way, this is now a mystery which uh, uh, sits almost in limbo, much like the creation of the thing in the first place did. And yeah, we have mm-hmm. a lot of twos right. here. <laughs> a lot of a lot of numerology games you can play. Forty-two is an interesting frequency in and of itself. Okay, uh, we we could talk about the resident frequencies, and we could talk about what the stones represent in a uh, a, a physiological sense. Granite has some interesting properties to it, which is why it's used for headstones. Uh, you you could go into all sorts of esoteric possibilities here, but you know what? I can't come up with anything conclusive, uh, uh, Mr. Lanier, where I can say, even from a conspiracy theorist point of view, I conclusively right. can say this or that about virtually any stop along this story. Uh, and as we, we come to a close here, I want you to put your final thought on this. But And, and I'm going right. to give you guys links to follow Albert Lanier. And in the next segment, I know we're a little late going to Christy Aphrodite, but that's okay. We'll take a break. We'll get the phone lines open, and we'll get Christy on. But I wanted to make sure that uh, Albert Lanier, veteran journalist who has been on the show many times, is uh, what um, uh, I, I forget. What are you at? At Critic? Jeez, you got you got a couple yeah, of Twitter my, handles. My yeah. former blog is at Critic. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's my Twitter at Critic Inc. And right. my former blog Medium dot com slash at the Doctor Fifty. That's at the Doctor Fifty, um, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I will say this. And you got um, the new YouTube channel, somebody, too. The new YouTube saying, channel. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And my YouTube channel, uh, my new and official YouTube channel, Writer Albert Lanier. That's Writer 
A-L-B-E-R-T-L-A-N-I-E-R. Right. So Writer Albert Lanier, which is my brand new official YouTube channel, please visit and subscribe. Hopefully we'll be going into production soon and putting out content there about writing and writers. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. Uh, but I will say one more thing, and mm -hmm. that is, uh, as someone who has, um, you know, I was a journalist for over 20 years, mm -hmm. but, you know, in my spare time at times, I did look into secret societies and secret organizations, which is how I wound up looking into Georgia Guidestones. Right. Um, I am willing to lecture about this uh, or go and do a lecture anywhere in the country if people are interested. Uh, they can contact me uh, at Twitter, at Critic Inc., or Facebook. Well, more specifically, they can contact me at my email, which is, uh, or one of my emails, I should say, this email, mediawriter1 at yahoo.com. That's mediawriter, the number one, at yahoo.com. And I can talk about Georgia Guidestones a little, uh, Bilderberg, which was held in Washington, D.C. this year, was pretty interesting. And, you know, a couple other secret societies and secret organizations. Um, and so I can do that. Uh, you know, work out the details with any organization or group or university or school for that matter that would be interesting. So, mm. just wanted to put that out there. Well, I'll tell you, if you didn't live in Hawaii, I might try to figure out a way to scrape up the funds to get you to Georgia. Uh, but uh, quite frankly, some people will have more more resources. I mean, I would just have you do a short lecture here <laughs> at I'd the Guidestone. You know, if, if we could if we could raise the money to do it, I mean, uh, look, you can you can you can crash at my house. We'll save on the hotel, but travel <laughs> arrangements. I'm just saying. I mean, look, if you don't mind the eight year old and the and the pups, uh, will be cool. So we can do that. Um, but yeah. uh, but otherwise, yeah, no. And I uh, advise people go ahead and take a look at Albert Lanier's work. He's he was an independent and freelance journalist. Uh, you know, over two decades. And still today, he's, uh, you know, contributing to the information uh, feeds out there, but in a, in a very independent way still. Official YouTube channel, uh, like we mentioned already, you'll, I'll give you the links to all that in the show notes. And uh, I want to thank you for trying to help me cover this story because yeah. it's been weird. People want to talk about it, but they, they, they got five minutes worth of material on it. They haven't even it's read weird. all of what's I, I on the stones. I did know yeah. before I went on the air that the local media is kind of, taking a, you know, diffident and, um, you know, uh, kind of a boilerplate approach to it. I, I didn't really know. I thought they'd be all over this, to be honest with you. I thought for sure. See, that's why I thought it was a fake story to begin with. Honestly, again, mm -hmm. I thought yeah. it had to be one of those onion stories that got out of hand. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a big story about... Uh, uh, a, a, a woman that supposedly got caught, uh, you know, uh, having sex with a dolphin here. Uh, and she worked at one of those aquariums. And it went viral. <laughs> and, um, and and I covered it on my show and, and all that. And I thought it was uh, hilarious that this totally fake story, which looked very real, if you don't read the disclaimer on the website, I thought it was uh -huh. interesting that that went viral. And it was uh, one of those welcome to Georgia weirdness. And quite frankly, I think the local news covered that fake story more than they did this Guidestone story, which so far has consisted of the Guidestones were blown up. It was America's Stonehenge. Here's the people from the county. They don't. They didn't really care too much because it didn't bring in revenue. The GBI right. is investigating and done. They're done with it. Right. 
I don't understand. Well, I There's will, a so no, I will say, yeah, I don't understand it either because this seems like a, a really juicy story to do as a kind of not only a news story but a, even as a possible feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's not being covered that way, and a little little, but not in many respects. I will put this out there. You know, mm. if there are, I don't know if there's alternative media, I'm sure there's alternative media in Georgia or whatever. If mm. some of them want to talk to me about the Guidestones or talk about what's happening in regards to I'd be glad to talk to them. And I'm also sure if somebody wanted to commission you to do a, a, a piece on this somewhere, you're open to that possibility as well. And uh, Possibly, yeah. Well, possibly. listen, if they're willing to pay you to write. But yeah, possibly. I'm just saying, if they're willing to pay you to write, you might be interested in at least having that discussion. Oh, yeah, I'm always interested if there's money. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, look, a lot of things we could say and a lot of things not being said about this particular story, the Georgia Guidestones, what happened, how they came into existence in the first place, not being covered very heavily. So now we've gone to about 20 after the hour, but Christy Aphrodite will come up after this short break. We did about an hour and 20 here with veteran journalist Albert Lanier discussing the the recent events and, in fact, the inception of the Georgia Guidestones. And nobody's really doing a lot of informative commentary about this, not in Georgia and not really anywhere else. So, I mean, outside of some fake stuff where they tried to float the uh, uh, weirdness of what might be in the time capsule, which I didn't really discuss with Albert Lanier here, but we can always have him back on. Anyway... Mr. Lanier, I thank you again, and I, and I will make sure to include all of the places that people can follow you and check out your work uh, in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for doing this with me. Thank you for having me, especially in light of what you said about the media. It seems more interesting now than ever. Yeah, I, I concur, sir. Anyway, like I said, short break, Christy Aphrodite, and uh, maybe I'll set up your calls, too. Maybe we'll get a whole thing going here for the rest of Tuesday night on The Ocelli Effect. We'll be right back. Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com. Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com. Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge wallstreetwindow.com go there now go there now go there now support chuckochelli and chili.com there's no money in it so yeah that is that's the, the problem that's the biggest problem i think and you know some people would say that look you're in an age when you can be independently supported but uh quite frankly i, I i'm on that business model too and uh, look i'm not going to complain but uh but i'm going to complain <laughs> okay because people want to support you they love you to death but uh honestly so if you're listening in this yeah. is a very unsubtle request to support the damn show and i want you to do this because um 
you know, uh, the Ocelli Report is one of the few places where Greg Palace can get his his uh, the, the stuff out. I mean, you'll still see my bylaws in some of these outlets, but nevertheless, um, I used to be a regular on CNN and on MSDNC, uh, but uh, no more. Revelation through conversation. Ocelli.com Every time I put it on my face, I'm able to breathe just a little bit deeper. What are people saying about MyTrueEssence.net? I want to tell you something serious, man. I just want to tell you, listeners, I bought some uh, some of that Modifilin from uh, Christy, and she gave me she got she made me up some of this emu oil mixed with some other stuff. I don't know what's in it, but I like the way it smelled. And I uh, started putting it on, rub, rubbing it on my foot, rubbing it on my knee, and like the second day, I didn't, you know, I, I just noticed it. I'm walking around, I'm like, damn, my knee is loose. I can tell you that 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 oil you gave me helped me with my carpal and my shoulder problem. If it wasn't, I couldn't even, I I wouldn't be working. My ankles started to really be pesky and bother me. And I'm telling you, the pain just went away. Essential oils rule! And when I put that on, it's just, it's like my skin came alive. MyTrueEssence.net In denial. Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret Wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. Secret Wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. The views expressed by callers, co-hosts, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli. And we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Ocelli.com. Revelation through conversation. The Ocelli Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck Ocelli. So just about an hour and a half deep into my uh, broadcast time tonight, ahead of schedule, but a half hour late if you were tuning in to get Christy Aphrodite. Well, I got her. <laughs> and... Uh, She's got the option to go as long or as short as she wants to tonight, except I do want to end at a reasonable time because I'm thinking about recording some of the uh, audio book tonight. Got to keep that up because people have shown some actual interest, and I'm very grateful. You can sign up at Ocelli.com or on my Patreon to make sure that you're going to receive the series of audio books, the rough draft audio books that are coming out. Uh, only through my website. You're not going to be able to buy these things anywhere else. And uh, what it is that uh, I can use as support is anything. So, you know, contact me, blindjfkresearcher at gmail.com. I will gladly answer any questions you have about this. And I did send out a mass mailing recently to uh, alert a few people on my email list that I have this going, and I'm glad I did. 
Uh, I'm glad uh, uh, for the reactions I've had so far for my audiobook project number one, which is uh, called Halfway to Hell, My Life Story. And uh, if you don't know why it's titled Halfway to Hell, you might want to at least listen to the sample introduction and get an idea, because that went out for free. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to charge people for that, because I put out plenty of shows, podcasts, information, all kinds of stuff, for free all the time. Uh, and I think this has a, a little more value, and eventually I'm hoping that it's going to become uh, either a movie script or a book or something. And when it does, a real solid book. See, that's the thing. You can't even buy the book yet. So the only way to get this story that I've carefully recorded along with a few partners, which I've had to change around now, is to sign up for it at Ocelli.com or on the Ocelli Effect Patreon, which is at uh, Patreon slash Ocelli Effect. Anyway, if you don't uh, want to remember any of that, blindjfkresearcher at gmail.com. That is my email contact me there and we'll figure out a way to get you in on the books or who knows maybe involved in the project anyway we'll leave it at that enough out of my mouth and i did delay christy a little bit but it's not like i had her sitting there twiddling her thumbs she had a couple things to do we're always glad to have christy aphrodite with us mytrueessence.net now there are products you can buy over there although i might have to get an update on maybe some problems she had um recently but uh, but the, the, the products are not the problem. The purpose is not the problem. The information over there is not the problem. We'll get into that in a minute. Or you go to ChristyAphrodite.com. I'm sure I'll have other informational links along with the show notes tonight and all that good stuff because we get into some very good uh, solutions or soul ablutions for the uh, many, many things that are rather toxic in the world here. And these are not constituting any sort of medical or legal advice. Yeah, there's the disclaimer. But they do constitute informational purposes. <laughs> and it is good, solid, and clean information that, generally speaking, is good for you. But always be a well-advised consumer of anything. Whether you're buying a product or you're utilizing information you get from somewhere, be advised of your own situation best. Be advised of what your body has in it, out of it, or what it might need best, because you are the best judge of that. And uh, you, you should never, ever jump into anything, not even the most natural things, without being fully aware and having your eyes wide open as you step into a new situation, a new mineral, a new vitamin, a new anything, honestly, that you're going to consume. You know, you are what you eat. Well, you also might be what you're not eating because you might not know you're eating it. You might not know you're breathing it. And there's a lot of ways that nature offers to deal with everything. <laughs> one way or another, you can find a solution in nature. But they may not be one size fits all. So be advised, be informed, and always take care of yourself best. Once again, not legal or medical advice, but information, useful, good, and clean and with that, Christy Aphrodite, uh, maybe you want to tell people why you were slightly delayed <laughs> coming to the mic. And if not that, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, technological issues uh, that you had in recent days or whatever. You know what? I don't care. You want to just tell me about that, that BlackBerry or I think it was BlackBerry, that jam you were making there. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm okay. going to tell you all of that. But first, I... 
want to say with what you were just sharing about all of these free podcasts and things you're doing, I just want to make clear it's not, it might be free to people who are listening, right? But it's not free. Like you're paying for it. You're paying for servers. You're paying for hosting. You're paying, you know, so I don't know. Maybe I used to never like bring that up because I thought people would just automatically know, but maybe they don't know. And I think what you're doing here and what you have done here for a very long time with the interest of helping others and, you know, bringing up conversations that other people don't allow and you know that's important and I think we are at a time and place where people want more of that but we're also at a time and place where things you know maybe I I don't want to say scarce but unaffordable for a lot of people and just like gas and everything else is rising your server costs and I'll, you know I don't need I know how many bills I have to pay with my dumb sites but I don't have all the stuff you do so I, I don't want to massacre it but I know it's a lot so anyways mm-hmm. it's not free and with that being said I want to hear more about your patreon and your audiobook um, yeah just really quickly before we get into all of my Whatever, I'd, whatever we're going to talk about tonight. Wrestling goats. <laughs> Wrestling goats. Oh boy! Now we're getting into some real entertainment. Uh, and, yeah. And, <laughs> so that's why I was a couple minutes late because I was feeding the chickens, and then I noticed Chiron, my number one, got out again. You know, she's down the hill, and I'm up here. So I just came in to message you, and Chiron. then I had to go Chiron. down there. And it's actually. It's easy if you have some alfalfa or some grain pellets. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. um, it can get bloody. <laughs> Fair enough. Chiron, I love that because I automatically think of, you know, those little running things underneath the uh, news that have been present ever since 9-11. Uh, you know that thing on the, on TV? That's a Chiron. <laughs> so that's, like, that's great that that's a goat. That is named Chiron. I mean, as opposed to putting out a bunch of crap, I mean, goats eat everything. So, well, why not? That's eating uh, your time, your space, and your attention span, uh, or at least it used to. I don't know if anybody even reads that anymore. But um, about the, uh, you you didn't get an email from me? No. Oh, boy. All right. You know, if you're sending out email, I just saw in the chat, I never get any emails. And then if you sent me an email, I never got an email. I might have not sent you a mass email because I, I assumed you still have a membership at Ocelli.com, don't you? I have no idea, Chuck. Okay. I don't know how to do anything on the internet anymore, and then Facebook just changed with the whole pages, oh, so now boy. I'm even more confused. So I I have no clue, and I guess the only way for me to find out is to, I guess, try to hit log in somewhere and see what happens. All right, here, here's what I'll do. I'll make sure that no matter what, um, let's see, what is it, christyaphrodite at gmail.com, right? All one word, no dots? Yeah. Okay, so that's a way people can get in contact with you. And I'll tell you what, I, I have to uh, resend to Maria because she had a computer issue uh, uh, that, that she had to, like, reset and trash everything from her uh, computers. <laughs> So uh, everybody's having uh, digital issues over the past week, by the way. Everybody I know. 
and I'm not saying it's coming from me, uh, but everybody I know has had some sort of problem with their system, their internet. It's like the time of digital issues. Uh, so my uh, inter- speaking of internet problems, mm. I mean not only just the usual getting blocked out from my site and being forced to use a VPN. Yeah, well. but uh, <laughs> just yesterday, uh, my line got ripped out. Huh. Okay. There's a video on actually on Facebook and Twitter um, that you can see what. I saw. Twatter. <laughs> Sorry, good, good. I love that. Good. Yeah. But so, so yeah, you just ripped off. So, so, so like, you have a okay, digital. Well, so you have you have I a waste a day of business. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> you have a digital witness to some. Uh, 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 let's let's call it uh, uh, vandalism of your uh, uh, of your electronic uh, outlet. Is that what you're telling me? Something. It was pretty interesting timing, too, because mm. I was actually woken up from my nap from Department of Transportation, uh, but state people, not local people, oh, no. because um, I guess, you know, all the snitches haven't found their ditches yet here in the Ozarks, and Uh-oh. there are some busybodies that they've shut down multiple farmer markets and it's just terrible and if they can't do it through the health department then they call the tax man and put undue pressure on the people trying to host the events by then becoming the tax collector wait 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 hold on you you had a little thing on the side of the road wait a second wait a second I, i need to understand this christy excuse me but you did a thing on the side of the road, basically where you live, right? You didn't create a, a traffic nuisance or anything, but I mean, you went and you nope. put. I some... have a, a U driveway, right? People can easily right. pull in and off. There's no like hard turns or, or stops or anything. Right, and it's not like you put out a a, a sign that said, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, free money or anything. You, you, you might have put up a couple of these. I think I saw them. It looked like plywood, and you and you kind of made signs out of it and just, said... Yeah, just pallets and cardboard with okay. paint and markers. Best bread in town, best salsa in town, best sure. jam in town. Just try to <laughs> offer to people, that somebody that might be in the area, uh, some of the uh, goodness that you've either harvested or have harvested and turned into something uh, right. on your property... Right, uh, you didn't take right. over anybody else. In a else's? place where mm-hmm. a county where no roadside permits are needed. Okay, so sort of like uh, when I turned around and I I did a yard sale uh, a couple of months ago, there was no need for a permit here or any of that. You, you know, in some places where I've lived, you got to register and get a permit and make sure you fill out your forms and pay your, you know, fee and none of that. So you just set up and you go right. Um, and that's what you were doing, and this somehow caused the DOT to talk to you? I mean, what, what, was, the, what was the deal there? Uh, well, I mean, I can only guess, but they used <laughs> the word snitch. Nice. Um, and I'm like, well, clearly they from around here. We got a good chuckle. Like, the whole thing's on video, and it was hilarious, and I gave them my bread, and they loved it, and they just kept asking me again, what's this, what's in this, what's... You know, and it was cool, but when they got here, because the state sent them, like I said, it wasn't the local people, so they were convinced that I was 
doing something bad or wrong or illegal and obstructing traffic or just, you know what I mean, or something obscene. Well, were you selling the wrong kind of mushrooms or... uh... Well then again, no, you're, you're no. in a you're in a state where cannabis is still not legal to uh, to farm, right? So maybe maybe no, they thought you had cannabis. It's even with a medical uh, li- permission license. Okay, um, you're still not allowed to grow. Okay, so you're not allowed to grow that stuff. Were they checking to see if maybe you were offering that sort of thing? You know. Well, this is hilarious because when they asked about the bread, and then I offered them some. And then they're like, well, you don't have any, like, funny stuff in here or anything. And I'm just like, you guys, man, do you know how much that stuff even costs these days? Like, come on. Like, if you know anyone going around giving expensive, you know, good drugs to people, send them over here, please. Yeah, really. Listen, if you're if you're uh, uh, getting, you know, a loaf of bread for less than $100, okay, and it's really seriously based That's with that. I'm saying, like, I'm going to be like, oh, here, here, here's like a $150 loaf of bread for free, two of them for free, because, yeah, I've got nothing better to do than to just go slip expensive drugs i mean come on who nobody's ever done that to me hey listen if you if you got that kind of thing going on christy i mean listen i i gotta become one of your neighbors if you get you know if you're able to give that kind of thing away i mean just just for that alone but no okay back to the seriousness if i had a friend that did that well they'd be my friend for life you know what i'm saying well listen it it, was hilarious so that topic did come up yeah and again we we laughed about the whole thing, and they were just shocked at how they're like, this is a cardboard sign that says, you know, best bread in town. Like, what? You know, so they just, so they <sighs> okay. did inform me of an easement, kind of a state law, okay. you know, for like mowing, with, you know, and I get it keeps things safe because of deer and this and that. But I also mow my own property, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But the people who complained, um, tried to get me on the easement law, which I was like easement. two feet over with a ten. But I wanted to move it anyway, so I don't even. It's just hilarious that they people neighbors in a community that literally has nothing or no. You know what? It, you don't want my tomato. Don't get it. Spend your twenty or thirty dollars in gas to <laughs> right. go to the nearest grocery store and buy a tomato. That's cool. But yeah, yeah that's trying to shut people down and like I just I honestly can't even believe people do that, especially in the Ozarks. Well, just to be clear, I mean, what you were offering to anybody who wanted to stop and you know pay attention to your sign is like bread and <laughs> literally it's convenient. Like the yeah. campers that have to drive that, like one of them, they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you're here. We had to drive an hour." each way just to get a tomato for their hamburger at the barbecuing at the campground, you know? Right. Craziness. <laughs> I mean, just... Yeah. So, and then somehow this is a bad thing when there's, like, no stores, no pro, no anything. But, yeah, so it's yeah, not people like... people get mad when people follow their heart. That's why they kept shutting down the other farmers' markets and... Uh-huh. It's insane. I mean, but whatever. You, I ain't stopping. And listen, you weren't doing anything like offering raw milk, were you? Because you know they get they get no. their panties in a bunch over that too. No. No, I'm not doing anything illegal. Okay, but you see what I'm saying? It's <laughs> I like had an illegal sign. <laughs> no, but there you go. That's the funny part. You got 
a, a, a sign that's maybe too close to the road, is that really like your, your total violation by the time they're done looking at this? Well, no. Like I said, they just said, well, there's this. And, you know, we wouldn't say, any, but people are, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And so we just, I'm like, no problem, dude. Like, I actually begged for help a few days ago to move all this anyways. And I definitely going to move it. It's just not going to happen right now because I've been up all night. I had to shoot three armadillos last night to protect my food. And I am super tired. And then we got to it later that evening, you know, last night. So it, no big deal. There's no tickets or fines. Or so what this comes down like to. That. So what this comes but, down to is a DOT guy had to go out because some insistent snitch got it on the record. So they got to show that they responded to it. And the guy's like, they're going, oh, look, it's just bread, huh? Let me try. They had to drive 40 miles each way <laughs> to do that, too. Nice. And then they had well, to get the tape measure to put in the street to measure the easement to, you know, see, right. oh, okay, I'm a foot off. It's exactly uh, 19 inches difference from this or that, or, yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's about exactly what it was, Chuck. That's hilarious you said that. Oh, wow. Well, hey, look, it I... It was pull- just barely over a foot, you know, under two feet. wasn't even, like, a foot and a half. There so, you yeah, go. It was like, 19. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, anyway, look, just before we get too far into the strangeness, and uh, we're, we're probably not going to cover the Snitch Society, but we could... Um, let's let's get into more productive things. And also, you listening live, if you're hearing us, again, uh, it's Tuesday the 12th, okay? Uh, and it's, uh, what is it, 9, no, excuse me, 8.48 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.48, I guess, uh, 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 what do you call it, Central. Uh, anyway, whatever, if it's at that time of day, we're live, okay? Otherwise, uh, we're recorded. If you want to join in and call in and ask a question, make a comment, spark a conversation, you can do so at 319-527-5016. So that's 319-527-5016. Now, so far, we've only covered the uh, DOT guy had to go out because of a snitch. And uh, what else did we do? Oh, what's in Christie's bread? Okay, um, so after that, yeah. I your went pin to followed Facebook. By the pound or hash. Oh, oh, hold on a second here. If you here. do not know your PIN, please enter pound or hash. Weird. Hold on, hold on. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I don't know why it's doing this. Thank you. I didn't enter a PIN, but okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my phone system for some reason deciding it needs a PIN again. So let's see. It looks like we're still operating. Yeah, so I'm able to take calls. 319-527-5016. Christy, that is the number. 319-527-5016 if you want to call in. So uh, this way that pre-recorded thing doesn't interrupt me again and ask for a pin. Uh, when you call in, you just hear, get ready for the Ocelli effect. And then you hear the show as it's going on. So 319-527-5016. And if nobody decides to call in... I'll just uh, have a chat with Christy for the next little while, and that amount of time is yet to be determined because, really, I should take a break in about 10 minutes. But uh, I'll get there when I feel like it. (laughs) 
Cause, and plus, some yeah. people are nervous or shy to call in, right? So just go to Ocelli.com and listen in live and go in the chat room and you can ask your questions there. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll always look. I'm not always good at looking at the uh, chat room questions, but I know Christy checks in from time to time. I got it open right now. I mean, cool. if I'm talking too much, then clearly I'm my head's moving around like a bobblehead and I'm looking everywhere else. But But other than that... I have it open, so... Excellent. And also, the chat room is mirrored at com. In case you don't like my website for whatever reason, I don't care where you go. Or when it doesn't work for some unexplainable reason. Oh, wait, is your website down? No, yours. Remember when yours was down, and then people were trying to go to the show, and your site was sending us to, like, pharmacies and sex. Oh, yeah. And I forgot that it was still on my... You know, again, I haven't even touched a site, so I just... And you're like, it's still on your site, isn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's true. people were able to go there then. But your site's working now. Yeah, no, no, Uh, thankfully. if it doesn't, then my site has... All of this stuff mirrored in the the players and the tune-ins and right. stuff like that. Right. So you can listen and chat at christyaphrodite.com. I mean, you can do that anytime, but uh, especially when Christy's on, it's best. So, uh, yeah. no. Or and, when your site is down well, but your show is playing. It was crazy because <laughs> my site wasn't down. What happened is, is that some hacker... Uh, figured out a way to uh, uh, turn, like, misdirect my traffic. You know, they got into right. the database, and, like, you click on a different part of my website, and it would send you to this, I don't know, Canadian pharmacy asking if you wanted, uh, you know, generic Viagra. Yes, that's and, exactly what happened. Yeah. Or sometimes it'd be blank, and it's like, why do people seriously not have anything better to do? You know, well, and they that's, just try yeah. to go tear down what other people create because they can't create anything on their own. Like, focus your energy. Keep it for yourself. People don't understand when they're giving you all their energy. Yeah, they're hacking your site and doing things that cause headaches, but they're hurting themselves even more in the process, right? Like, yeah. or snitches calling and reporting tamales and well then you're going to wonder why it is you you know oh well gee i wonder why they waste my tax money well you know snitch if you send people out for you know pointless things that they got to go track down uh yeah that winds up adding to the bill like you said the guy's got to drive 40 minutes or 40 miles or whatever 40 miles each way okay so headquarters so that costs cardboard Best bread in town sign. Yeah, so that cost uh, some gas money. That guy's labor is not free. Okay, right. the paperwork or computer or whatever it is, they got to file all this crap on. Again, not free. And you're wasting and like a resources. Real human, yeah. a, a real adult that wants to be part of a better world, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. would say, hey, I really have a problem with your sign. Or instead of all the sneaky stuff they did at the other markets to all the other people mm-hmm. they would just say i'm really uncomfortable with you know i don't i'm not sure if you're paying taxes so i don't want to you know give you my heart then don't like just go give yeah. it to someone else then who cares but you don't need to stop people from doing and by the way she was pay- you know they were legal that's why they had to go the other way and add the other burdens but just the fact that they report signs i think is a clear sign 
that they're just going to keep reporting and have nothing better to do, but whatever, I'll just keep offering bread and I yeah, don't know, it. I don't care. They People can do whatever they want to do, but it's not going to stop me from doing what I need to do. Right. I mean, unfortunately... And I wish everybody operated that way, really. No, I got you. And unfortunately for me, it's not as simple as just going, look, I got nothing to hide. Here you go. Have some bread. Uh, that whole thing with this idiot hacking me, uh, he did a pretty good job. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, it, and it, that interferes with your traffic and, and pe- you know, people want to hear you. But then if yeah. new people and I do this all the time, like if I try to go to a site mm-hmm. and it's not working for me, look, I only have so much patience when it comes to technological stuff. So if it doesn't work the first time, I'm out. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know no. what I'm saying? I know. I so. got I got the two the two click people that'll contact me and go. You know what? I've heard about you for years. I finally decided to go to your website, and here's what happened. So you know what? Screw you. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like I don't know what to tell you, but I didn't do that. And then I go to, and I didn't know about it at first. By the way, I think you were one of the people that was like telling me there's something wrong, and I'm going, looks okay. Uh, I didn't yeah, even know. Uh. I didn't even know what happened, and then, quite frankly, uh, you know what the bill was on that? It, it cost me about $500 to fix that. Um, that was interesting timing, though, because that was the week when we, you know, hooked up again and right. then started talking, you know, about do it, did our first show, and, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be paranoid or anything, but, you know, there are certain people that continue to try to interfere in any way possible and I know. you saw what they did to a network we used to be on and yep. stuff so i don't know it's just well and i'll tell you something get else a life, get a hobby yeah. and build your own well look whatever. We're, we're gonna we're gonna take the break on the regular time here and then go back in and have a full hour with you where we actually tackle you know real things but i mean we're, we're cleaning up uh, we're cleaning house here on all the ancillary issues <laughs> okay right yeah, now but, okay this, but, this will be the drama segment yeah and, and we'll move into something hopefully more purposeful exactly we're, we're going to go purposeful in a few minutes here but before we go to break i want to note something you know on thursday uh thursdays as you know i i, I produce jack blood show right so thursday i get in touch with jack early in the day and he's he's already pissed off because he had trouble getting in touch with me and i'm <laughs> like okay well what what is your problem and he tells me, uh, you know, I had this Internet issue, and he starts telling me about it. And I'm like, who's your Internet provider? Because I had the same problem. I'm thinking maybe it's a provider issue, you know. So I find out who his provider is. It, there, there is no way that it should be a similar problem. Him and I had the same exact problem with our Internet that day. And, in fact, I was knocked out the night before during my show. So there was this intermittent problem that started on Wednesday and carried over into Thursday. Now, I did all the stuff I needed to do. I contacted the company. I had them look at it. They didn't fix it. I finally fixed it. Jack did the same thing. Okay, contacted the company. He finally fixed it. A little advice for me helped. But anyway, we get around to he's getting ready to do his show, right? which is 3 p.m. where he is on the West Coast, 6 p.m. here. So by the time it's 3 p.m. for him, we're trying to get uh, Clyde Lewis lined up to come on the show, the guy from Ground Zero Radio. And it turns out now Clyde is at least in the same area of the country as Jack. But on two different coasts here, three guys who happen to be getting together who have three different Internet providers, okay, all have the same Internet issue 
where something was interfering with our ability to use the right. internet. And then it was also anyway. I'm not going to go into the details because. And that's remember that's also when they made it. And this isn't the first time, but look, I have multiple websites, mm -hmm. but I was only blocked from my business website, my True Essence. That was <laughs> it. I could get anywhere else on the internet, anything <clears throat> right. but my site. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, I, I, let me ask you how this happens. I, I got blocked from my own website, too, during that whole ridiculousness with the hackers. Okay, that's what I was going to ask, if they do that to you, too. Yeah, no, my own way. You know what it was, though? It was cookies. They were saying that my Internet browser was set not to accept cookies. Yeah, no, it wasn't cookies. It would like literally it uh, it was a, you had to get a VPN and you could prove it with anybody's cell phone. You could do mobile data and it would come up, but then yeah. as soon as you connect to this wireless, you can't get it. Like it was not that. I Right, right, right. Me. Well, let me yeah, let me finish. <laughs> Cuz it started out yeah. with cookies. I go to fix the cookie issue. There's no cookie issue. So I go, right. "Okay, I go back in and I use I'm not an idiot. I go and get a VPN, right?" And uh, I've got a couple of them I can use. I used to pay a lot for one, but now I'm not. I got a couple of, right. you know, uh, anyways. So I go to uh, use a completely different browser, one that I might use when I absolutely don't want to be tracked at all. And I put that on to try and get into my website. Guess what? <laughs> it didn't work either. That's what happened, too. I yeah. went through the process for like 12 hours with my web host people. Mm -hmm. And then I started reading online. I went through all the process, you know, multiple times. And then they suggested go to a certain browser mm -hmm. that has... A VPN automatically installed, and I had already tried four other browsers, right? Right. So when I did that, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Because it just went right there. Yeah. Finally, so, if you get to something that actually doesn't have the tracking in it, if you get into something that's not tracking you, then boom! All of a sudden, and you come to find out, you have to whitelist your own. <laughs> You have to yeah, whitelist your own address. I went and checked all that, too, because yeah. I went yeah. through the instructions, probably the same ones you did. Yep. And, yeah, that's, I found out my site was blacklisted. Yep, exactly what happened. And I went, well, I didn't do that, and I'm the controller of the website. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you, <laughs> you may be looking at only the beginning of a problem there, Christy. I'm just telling you, if it is a the same... The beginning? Come on. They've been doing this to me since 2006. No, no, no. I'm just... I, I understand that. You think this is the first time somebody's gone after me? I'm saying that you right. may be looking at the beginning of this particular phase of an issue, okay? And, uh, well, yeah. see, this is what's weird about the site thing. So... It went on for quite a while until we called the internet people mm -hmm. and said, uh, we just saw that this site is blacklisted and um, our ISP, or, you know, we can't get on it on our internet, but when we use our phone, I can. And they're like, basically, huh, that's weird. We don't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. But then the next day... I could get to the site from this internet number, whatever, ISP thing. Yeah, right. No, all, all of yeah. a sudden your address is okay. Yeah, I know. All of a sudden. Mm hmm Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, welcome to what happened to me a couple of months ago, like I said. But it took me <laughs> 500 bucks 
to get the whole thing resolved finally because it was like, oh, in addition to all that crap, by the way, somehow somebody got into your database and now they can misdirect, you know, any traffic or anybody's interface to somewhere else. And it's oh, like, oh, goody. Another thing. Yeah. I didn't know this happened or when it happened, mm-hmm. but recently when I went to go get an old show, mm-hmm. I found out that all the Ocelli archives that were uploaded on my site mm-hmm. from before, uh, none of them were accessible. It just went to a <laughs> blank thing. And go. they weren't links, right? They were the actual downloaded files on the site, but none of them were. Yeah, I know. I sh- I, I I showed you how to do that. <laughs> I so, had to go back in there and yeah. redo it. No, this is like a recent. I'm talking like they were all up there and all working, and then as soon as I, I wanted to bring up a show from a couple years ago, it didn't work. So I'm like, huh, that's weird. Let's try this one. No, but remember, work. okay, but remember when we were setting up stuff on ChristyAphrodite.com, I sat there and showed you, this is how you put it so that it's on your stuff and you don't have to worry right. about. Right. Yeah. And it was there and it was working, but then all of a sudden, uh, they, it wasn't working and they weren't there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I so get I have to redo that. I get it. Anyway, I feel your pain. <laughs> so, look, we're going to drop all this uh, uh, commiserating about the internet <laughs> and being hijacked and all that and get into something, what did you say, more purposeful with the next hour. Christy Aphrodite's with me, and we're going to talk about natural things best we can if the DOT doesn't come and shut us down or try to. So, uh, and they won't. At least as far as I know, they can't do that. Anyway, I guess we'll find out as things go on here on the Tuesday Ocelli Effect. Again, Christy Aphrodite with me, and you could be with me. 319-527-5016. And honestly, I just want to hear about uh, some Blackberry Jam and a few other things uh, that are much, much more purposeful, as Christy said. Stick around. The Ocelli Effect continues after this. Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Every time I put it on my face, I'm able to breathe just a little bit deeper. What are people saying about MyTrueEssence.net? I'm going to tell you something serious, man. I just want to tell you, listeners, I bought some uh, some of that Modifilin from uh, Christy, and she gave me she got, she got made me up some of this emu oil mixed with some other stuff. I don't know what's in it, but I like the way it smells. And I uh, started putting it on, rub, rubbing it on my foot, rubbing it on my knee, and, like, the second day, I didn't, you know, I, I just noticed it. I'm walking around. I'm like, damn, my knee is loose. I can tell you that that, that oil you gave me helped me with my 
carpal and my shoulder problem. And if it wasn't, I couldn't even, I, I wouldn't be working. My ankles started to really be pesky and bother me. And I'm telling you, the pain just went away. Essential oils rule. And when I put that on, it's just, it's like my skin came alive. MyTrueEssence.net Support Chuck O'Chilly at Chili.com. There's no money in it, so yeah, that is that's the, the problem. That's the biggest problem, I think. And uh, you know, some people would say that look, you're in an age when you can be independently supported, but uh, quite frankly, I, I, I'm on that business model too. And uh, look, I'm not going to complain, but uh, but I'm going to complain, <laughs> okay? Because people want to support you, they love you to death, but uh, honestly, so if you're listening in, yeah. this is a very unsubtle request to support the damn show, and I want you to do this too because. Um, you know, uh, the Achille Report is one of the few places where Greg Palace can get his his uh, the, the stuff out. I mean, you'll still see my bylines in some of these outlets, but nevertheless, um, I used to be a regular on CNN and on MSDNC, uh, but uh, no more. Revelation through conversation. Ochilly.com. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The war State by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. Do you like history, real history, that you were never taught in schools? Why? The Vietnam War, Nuclear Bombs and Nation Building in Southeast Asia by author Mike Swanson with new documentation never seen before that will open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War, Nuclear Bombs and Nation Building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Why? The Vietnam War. By author Mike Swanson. Revelation through conversation. Ocelli.com. third segment tonight of the Ocelli Effect because I started early and if you missed that a bit of a discussion with Albert Lanier on the Georgia Guidestones recent events connected to its destruction and uh, indeed a little bit of its history in the first hour of the show tonight which uh, again started at a special time and we started a little late with Christy Aphrodite so in this hour let's try and get to uh, more purposeful things as Christy said uh, some more positive things instead of the aggravations and harassment from either government agencies or idiots that want to hack you or people that want to be uh, part of the snitch society. Uh, screw them. <laughs> Let's get to some good stuff. And one thing I saw that was good, I'll kick you off here. 
is uh, this this pot of berries that I saw you working with and I heard you talking about. I think it was on YouTube, but it might have been somewhere else, the video. Um, it is. I'm going to find it right now and post it in your text chat. Excellent. Excellent, because people need to go see this. It looked really good, and uh, I also noted that I have the same pot you do. Uh, and I was like, oh, I use that pot for, like, everything. Um, it's, like, the most versatile, simple pot. I don't even know what it's made of or anything else. but It's stainless uh, steel. There you go. See, I know I bought it with the intention of having something clean to work with, and it's actually lasted because it's made of something other than, you know, eight layers of chemical crap sprayed onto... Uh, you know, allegedly steel. Um, right. And <laughs> then I found out after I switched to stainless steel that that's not even as uh, healthy as we were taught. But I, whatever. I'm just going to use what I have. I have cast iron. I have stainless steel. And I'm happy to have a pot. And I'm super happy to have a pot that's lasted me at least 15 years and made many gallons of lasagna feijoada mm -hmm. like you know jambalaya like all the good stuff oh so, yeah and no. salsa and jam right i mean i've handled everything in there from uh you know good good ginzo gravy so to speak you know sicilian gravy to uh to uh shellfish in that thing and uh i, I think i've yeah. even made a sort of cake in that sucker uh because if you measure it out the right way anyway good pot but what was really good about it was what was in it and uh, what was it, black blackberries and raspberries, I think? Yeah, so blackberries and black raspberries, fresh from my garden, along with real fresh-grown stevia from my garden and peppers from my garden. What would be... Um, okay, so let's, and let's I, talk I about stevia. I made the point of saying yeah. real stevia because mm -hmm. the stevia they sell in the store is white, and if you actually look at the, you know, don't just look at the front of the package, look at the back, right? Look at right. the fine print. But it it's not stevia. You know what I'm saying? Stevia is green, so. Right. I mean, look, if you ever get some actual raw sugar, it's not white either, by the way. And, right. Uh, and then, I, I'm sorry, I left out the sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not grow the sugar, but it is organic dried sugar cane. Ah, so it's not white, is it? It's not white. I use a the light brown for some things, mm -hmm. and then the demerara, the brown, expensive, delicious stuff for you know. I mean, they're both delicious, but yeah, I don't, I don't ever use, um, you know, white flour, white sugar, things like that, bleach, right, right. G grocery store stuff. <laughs> right, but no, no. I was just noting because I love the raw sugar. Uh, I I can't ever get the real expensive one, but there is a, a reasonable, uh, reasonably priced. I mean, it's not going to be the two dollars a pound or whatever that stuff was, uh, the white stuff. But still, it's reasonably priced. The raw sugar, if you can get it. So, anyways, so you have sugar in there. You got. Uh, I mean, I'm not asking for the whole recipe, but you do describe it while you're stirring it on this video. And uh, you right. have placed the link in the chat room, so I'm going to make sure to include that with the show notes. Uh, and I just want to say on this recipe, I it was a gallon of berries, and I only used a cup and a half of the sugar mm -hmm. because I had all the fresh stevia leaves. Right. Whereas if it was a nor if you were looking up a normal jam recipe, and by the way, the reason I'm posting these simple canning videos 
is because I want people to understand it doesn't have to be as confusing as hard as people want you to think it is. Mm -hmm. And simple method like that, like we talked about last week with your broth, I mean, it literally, that's it. Pour it in a jar and boom, wait for it to ting and, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, I, I really gain enjoyment in being able to preserve things easier than we are led to believe. But look, man, you can go to YouTube right now and see 90-year-old ladies right. canning basil marinara off-grid in, like, Naples in the mountains in Italy, right. and they don't have any special equipment. They use Coke bottles, dude, with just a regular lid. Yeah. And, you know, so you really just need the right time and temperature. Mm -hmm. That's if you can afford all the expensive equipment and know how to use it and this and that, that's great. And if you're canning meat, I get it. You know, get a pressure canner. You want to be safe. You don't want to be wasteful. But if you're canning, like, say, a little bit of meat in, say, a spaghetti or a lasagna sauce or a soup, right. this hillbilly method is just, it, it is sufficient. And once I learned this from one of my favorite hillbillies back in the day, I have never gone back to even water bath canning. Right. And it gets better than this. Because just a couple months ago, I was saying, yep, I'm never going to try to jam stone fruits again, right? Like apricots, peaches, things like that. Mm -hmm. Because... They, the only way, you know, you have to parboil them and pull off the skins and rip your fingers apart. And it's like this terrible, grueling process. But the truth is, you all you got to do is take out the pits. And if you do it with the crock pot method mm -hmm. or even a long boil method, they completely disintegrate. Same with the apples or any other fruit. And plus, you're getting all those extra nutrients. So... Mm -hmm. Um, again, super easy, and I'll make a video the next time I do a crockpot method one of like a stone fruit because I know those scare would-be canners the most. Like right. it did me. I'm just like I am never doing that again. You well, know, I don't, yeah. I don't need it that much. Well, a couple things there too is that with apples, uh, you got to be very careful. Don't leave the seeds in them. Okay, that's one of those uh, uh, things you got to make sure about. Right, I, um, I core the apples, you know, and the chickens are happy. Yeah. And but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, those apple cores can be useful for everything from the chickens to compost, like we talked about before, and all that. But don't core, don't uh, can the pits. Is all I'm telling you about the apples, okay? Because uh, they, well, no. That would they, be really weird. Well, no, but I'm just saying, get them out of there because the, the pits are actually not good for you to eat. Uh, especially if they've been aged. So you don't want to do that with the pits of the apple. Now, I know some people eat, I, I've known people that eat everything of the apple and leave a stem, you know. Um, and that's not, right. that's not good for everybody is all I'm saying. If you get away from that core and use that core other places and other ways, cool, but don't can that. Um, anyways, yeah, no, generally speaking, if you get the uh, the pit out, you're doing yourself the biggest favor, and that's about all there there is to it. Um, it's interesting you bring all this up, though, because uh, I was thinking about whether, 
there was a, a oh I know what I was thinking about the the natural growth of blackberries okay where I live there's a bunch of blackberries that grow wild so you know it might not be a matter of oh I don't have these in my backyard there may be a stretch of woods somewhere where you got some blackberry bushes much of the country including this location i was shocked to find out Mm -hmm. is because i knew in and i brought it up about washington but they consider they actually consider that beautiful food and medicine blackberries an invasive yeah okay so it's everywhere go get it like people would be happy for you to pick them yeah, uh, believe it or not, you you could. I mean, you know, always always have permission if you're going to go pick something off of somebody's property or whatever. But uh, what I'm saying is that, believe it or not, these things might be accessible and not in use by somebody else, and you can get them and turn them into something like what Christie's doing there. I mean, your black raspberries might come from somewhere else. I don't know where those come from, but I do know. No, my garden. That that's from my little baby bear. This is the first no, time I got berries, Chuck. Okay. okay. So okay. I planted all this in 2020. I think I planted them in May or June. Mm-hmm. And so I've been harvesting like a, a, a handful at the most or a half a handful a day and putting them in a bowl and saving them until I have enough to make a few jars. No, I got you. And, and you talked about that on the video. But what I'm saying is that for people that don't have property where they've got a lot of pl- things growing, you might be able to find locally some places where these things have grown without anybody you know spraying them with crap or whatever uh and and you might be able to find something very good like this that like you said again is considered to be invasive and a problem on somebody's property but hey <laughs> would not be a problem and they're for you. easy to grow so if you do have any yard at all like they take pretty much no maintenance if they're planted in a proper location, right? That's mm-hmm. why they grow wild everywhere. Right. So just take a little cutting, stick it in the ground, water it for a while. It's going to look like it's going to die, right? All the leaves are going to come off. Let them come off, clip them off, you know, and then just clip off the top. And a couple years later, you know, you'll have a little baby. <clears throat> Right, blackberry or any berry. Well, and somebody might have them on their property again. Like I said, that's why it's always good to talk to the person who's got the property that's got these things growing on them, and they might find it to be a nuisance. So, you might be able to say, "Look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll remove that from your property over here. I'll I'll get rid of the bush. And what can you Chuck, do with when that I bush?" I lived in my van. <laughs> I was paid money to go destroy people's blackberry bushes. Right. So instead yeah. of just straight up destroying them, running them through a wood chipper, take them somewhere else and plant right. them again. I'm not saying, you know, that's a solution for everybody, but I'm just saying this is the way you should think about this stuff. Is Here's that maybe worst case scenario. Yeah. Having them grow wild out there or even in your yard or wherever, you know, if you do have a little bit of you know where things are growing it's feeding the wildlife to keep them out of your garden well that's the thing there's a lot of uses for them and again or eating your pets right like if you're in a place that has bears i know georgia has bears right yeah i haven't seen them but yeah (laughs) they exist (laughs) and if they don't have any food out there maybe you'll be seeing them more often we've been seeing them here 
No, they will. They will come to you. But my whole point is that just because it's, uh, you know, you, you hear the expression, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Well, indeed, when it comes to stuff like this, you might be able to lift something out of somebody else's land that happens to be a neighbor of yours. Do them a favor or get paid for it and uh, take it and repurpose it for yourself. Worst absolute case scenario is you got something that'll feed the ground. Like you said, and uh, if it grows a bush, great, because uh, if you put that bush in the right place, maybe the uh, critters come and eat that instead of whatever else it is you're growing. Maybe they leave your cucumbers alone. You know what I'm saying? You you never can tell how these things will work out, and there's always a purpose for things in nature. So we do have... Chuck, I do just Mm want to say this about berries, okay? Mm -hmm. So in, I mean... If you are picking them wild or whatever, there is a high probability that they might have little worms in them, right? Mm -hmm. So um, to make sure that they don't have any worms in them, just soak them in some lemon water. Mm -hmm. Or just squeeze some lemon juice on them, put them in a colander in your sink, you know. Yeah, let them soak in that first. And then, yeah. See, mine I, I have you know, diatomaceous earth and neem oil, and I know what mine are, right? Right. Um, But if you don't, then you might want to consider doing that. Fair enough. Anyway, you should always be cautious about things if you pick them from the wild anyway, just to double-check that they're not contaminated with something or they don't have other creatures already attached to them. Always a good thing to check anyway. Uh, even if you think you know it from your garden, it's a good idea to check, but you might have a better handle on that. So, And lemon will yeah. pretty much kill anything, including, and this also includes lemon essential oil, but it dissolves petrochemical products, right? Mm-hmm. So if, let's say, you only have access to, you know, sprayed produce... You can soak that in your sink. Fill it up with sink and put a couple drops of lemon essential oil in cold water and let them sit for a while and clean them. And then, you know, maybe you're not removing all the residue, but maybe you're reducing some, at least according to PubMed and, you know, so. Right. So I'm just saying. And lemon essential oil doesn't mm-hmm. really cost much that's it's definitely much cheaper than buying fresh lemons all the time but if you are buying fresh lemons then don't throw your peels away you can dehydrate them or freeze them but if you dehydrate them then you can make your own lemon oil right and then you have your own leather cleaner or floor cleaner or what you know tincture even with your fresh lemon peels and then you're getting all those nutrients and and by the way tinctures are just extracts when you go to the store and you buy like a mint extract or a vanilla extract, it's it's a tincture, okay? So think about that, like with things that you have on hand, with say cloves or cinnamon or cacao or coffee beans or like mint or stevia, right? If you're growing stevia and you don't know what to do with it, definitely tincture it. It's an extract, and then you can use just a few drops to flavor something right Right. i have it dried and tinctured and stuff but um so if if real stevia in a store 
would be green leaves or it would be an extract form and hopefully with no other ingredients. Right. And so you hardly need any. And it's anti-diabetic. It's mm -hmm. totally proven. Again, PubMed.gov. I'm not making this up. So you can just go there or you can mm -hmm. go to MyTerescence.net and I have links on my site. But yeah, PubMed.gov. Type in stevia, anti-diabetic, or just stevia, and read the reports. Right. So we have uh, we have one caller, and anybody else can call in uh, before we run out of time, which will be about what twenty five minutes away from now. No, excuse me, thirty five minutes away from now. Three one nine five two seven five zero one six. That's the number to call. Three one nine five two seven five zero one six. And uh, been keeping him on hold for a little bit, and I'm glad to hear from him because hadn't heard from him in a few days. Jimmy James, you're on the line, right? Yep. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I brought you on. Uh, you have a question or comment for Christy? Well, back to the Apple thing just real quick. You're definitely right about not those cores and those seeds by all means nobody should be eating those things right the seeds are literally made used to make cyanide cider mm -hmm. cyanide don't do that right i mean that's that's what happens when you process them in your body it, it creates the same kind of effect like cyanide but i do know people who do eat the seeds uh, I I know you shouldn't eat too many of them. That's for sure. <laughs> so, but I I know people who can get away with it somehow. But yeah, I would not advise it. I bet a lot of women, a lot of women in the eighteen hundreds, I bet got away with that. With mm. Some husbands with some tummy aches. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of a lot of people get away with weird things like that. But anyhow. Uh, is there anything else on your mind tonight, Jimmy James? Did you have uh, something you want to add in? Well, I was shocking and amazed to hear that they blew up the guidestones. Ah, uh, well, there is that. <laughs> yeah. The, I, Who I thought, that? I thought it was a fake story at first, to be honest with you, because it came out really weird, and it was sort of like, yeah, okay, like they have a lot of entertainment type uh, uh you know fake news websites out there literally that generate fake news stories and i thought for a minute there that that might be exactly what it is but it wasn't um we're getting a little bit of feedback on your phone so i'm going to shut up because it's apparently my voice kicking back nasty uh but uh anyway what else uh, you got on your mind jimmy james uh, well speaking of the guardstones wait what about this whole world hunger situation and the food situation? Mm. Well, I think that's kind of why we're talking about the topics we do to encourage others to be more self-sufficient so that that's less of a threat. Right. I'm going to mute you for a minute, Jimmy James, because of that feedback and uh, let Christy talk, okay, because it's a little, little distracting. But uh, I'm going to leave you on the line, so don't go anywhere, but... We, we have been discussing this, and we talked about it last week uh, at length. Um, was it last week or the week before? One of those weeks, I know we went into it at length, talking about the supply chain issue and how uh, the pressures of food prices are seemingly uh, engineered this way at exactly this time, you know, and uh, what that actually looks like. We broke down a bunch of different cost differentials. Uh, regarding, hey, wouldn't it be good if you could save your, your money by 
creating some stuff yourself or at least repurposing things. We talked about that. Uh, I think that's how we got into the bone broth discussion, maybe. I don't know. It's right. all it's all a blur. And then that's Christy. when, yeah, and the canning of it, which again would be easier. It would be one huge step in the process of making the gallon or so, like you do, and freezing it, um, because you wouldn't have to lay it out in the hotel pans and cool it before you could package it. Right? You literally would just pour it straight into the jars instead. And then if there, if there was a storm and a power outage or something like that, you wouldn't have to worry as much about food that may be lost in the freezer. Right. Well, actually, I got a question on Skype during our discussion here. Uh, and uh, they say that it would be good to talk about, well, it's not a question. All right, it would be good to talk about um, uh, ready-made foods which are best canned and could be just eaten straight out of the can because during a time of trouble, you might not be able to have access to cooking or at least not as good access to cooking. Okay, I get it. What, what, the, what the idea is here is, is that we should talk about a couple of things that maybe somebody could can that they could eat right out of the can easily and happily, um, which uh, the jam we were talking about is perfectly reasonable. I mean, I know not everybody wants to just eat spoonfuls of jam. You might want to put it on something. But if you have some crackers, right, or uh, something or like that. it's super simple to have homemade bread. Mm-hmm. And whether you have an oven or remember when I was living in the farm off-grid, I was cooking it over a wood-burning stove. When I was doing my thing in the south and the off-grid stuff, I was cooking it over fire, like, you know, a fire pit. Right. So, um, yeah, so some of my, if I was going to eat a food right out of a can, and so I'm thinking of things like lentils um, that are good hot or cold, Uh, I really like to make like a slightly curried lentils that has turmeric and cayenne and garlic. And it's actually one of the things I bring with me on long road trips or camping trips because it tastes delicious cold and I could just put it on a pita or a piece of bread or even put it in a tortilla and wrap it up, right? Right. Um, Or with a spoon. Um, or if I did have a fire and wanted to warm it up, add a little water, and then you have a soup. Um, so that's kind of something that I would make or any other um, hearty dish that could double as a soup or, you know, like bean dips, hummus, right? right? But you don't have to just do it with garbanzo beans. You can make it with black beans and, and use salsa instead of turmeric and cayenne and, and cumin and, you know? Right. So the thing is, when it comes to foods you want to preserve or buy or store or anything... It has to be something you like, right? Don't just buy chunky 
whatever because it's on sale if it's not something you're ever going to eat. Mm. And so when it comes to preserving food, it you know my tastes I'm sure are are vastly different from from most people and you know so what do you like right well you see I like to, I, I like tomatoes right and there's so lots of different ways so how about a tomato basil bisque and that's delicious hot or cold right exactly or like a gazpacho of course the gazpacho would be cooked to have to be canned but when you're eating it, so yeah, it'll be a little bit more mushy, but it's gonna be good for you to open up a can and eat it anytime. Well, plus I've been able to just can tomatoes before with uh, uh, you know a couple of other ingredients, so that I'm happy to eat because I'll eat cold tomatoes anytime. Now they're maybe a little less uh, appetizing if they're room temperature, but uh, but honestly, you add the right thing to it. I'm happy to eat it that way, too, even if it is a little mushy. Salsa, man. You can eat it by the spoon. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, like, salsa, marinara, you know, those types of sauces are my favorite to can because they're so diverse. Well, and you and can spread can go that. go with anything at any time. Or yeah. even, like, enchilada sauce or something because that's super diverse. You don't have to just make an enchilada. You can put it over your rice or beans, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Well, that's the other thing is that, you know, some of these things, if you can put it over something else, uh, you know, it's perfectly workable. And again, not every soup and needs to be hot. you want to think about that mm -hmm. because just storing rice and beans, you're going to be bored out of your mind. Right. What are you going to flavor it with? Right. So simple sauces like these tomato sauces or whatever, you can add it to whatever else you open up out of a can or if you're blessed to have a pot and a fire to boil the rice or beans. I mean, right. that's great you have them, but, you know, it's, there's going to come a time where you can't take any more bland straight rice and beans. Right. So I would definitely focus on flavors, spices. I mean, look back at the spice trade. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's valuable. Mm -hmm. And whether people think it's valuable just for flavor or the medicinal purposes... It doesn't matter. Either way, you you don't want just plain rice and beans or p plain bread, plain meat, plain anything. Right. And there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, canning a couple of things separate or jarring them, however it is you want to say it. You, you can a couple of things or jar a couple of things that could be combinations. This is a good way to think about it where it's like, look, if I put these two things together, it's an entirely different uh, meal from if I was just eating it plain. Right. Uh, like I've seen a, a preparation for like a prepared rice kind of thing where mm -hmm. it's it's almost like a soup, but not really. And then you can add one of these other things that they have canned there. Like I've seen somebody do uh, uh, peppers, as a matter of fact, uh, like um, like not vinegar peppers, but almost like vinegar peppers in a jar. And you add right. that to your jarred rice and all of a sudden you've got a meal ready to go. And if it's just a little warm... It's not bad at all. It doesn't take a lot of prep work or anything. Boom. You could right. probably just eat it cold because you don't need to heat it to soften it. It's been soaking uh, in its own juices right. for a while. I don't know what the shelf life is on those things exactly, but I do know that people have canned things like that or put them in a jar and had them like the next year and uh, perfectly Always. good. I've never not had... So let, let me tell you something, Chuck. When I moved into this house, I still had jars of salsa that I canned 
like right before my homelessness when I left Florida mm -hmm. from my last garden there. And go. I ate them and other people ate them and they were magically delicious. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So also um, for things you can eat right out of the jar, you know, you might also want to think like fruits. So whether you're canning them plain, it doesn't necessarily have to be a jam, right? You can make a syrup. Right. And it's the same process, but you don't reduce it as much. And then that can add flavor to multiple things. Here's an example. So my sweet and spicy jams, I can just add, like, say, a little mustard and vinegar and honey and uh, maybe a little ginger. And then they are perfect egg roll dip. Mm. Okay. okay. Or... Okay, so I made a caramelized, a caramelized pepper marmalade uh, the other day, and the same thing. I could use it for egg rolls if I was gonna have like a chicken or something, like an right. orange chicken. It's already spite. I could put it on rice, you know, like or use it like a chutney or on toast or you know, multiple ways. So that's. These are just what I think of when I'm canning something that's versatile. You could use for multiple things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sweet jams are cool or sweet syrups are cool too, but what if you don't have <coughs> mm -hmm. that spice to add or, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, 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 I got it. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, think ahead about variety and things like that because like you said, look, we, you could probably prepare beans and rice for the end of the world, but... If that's all you got, you might not be so happy with it. Uh, you can it, yeah. dehydrate garlic and onions or your peppers, right? They'll mm -hmm. last forever. You don't even need to can them. Um, I have a cat that clearly wants me to open the door, <laughs> so I'm going to be right back. Sorry. I heard the cat. <laughs> I did hear Come the on. cat. So while you're doing that, I'll uh, open up Jimmy James' line again. And remind people that you can call in 319-527-5016 if you want to get in on the last 20 minutes or so of the show. There we go. And uh, there you go. So, Jimmy James, uh, any thoughts on uh, what we've been discussing here or something you want to add? Uh, what was that stuff in the 60s and 70s that they were going to farm from the ocean to feed the starving Oh, uh, plankton? Seaweed, I think. But uh, seaweed? Okay. What was it? I don't, you know, I don't know about the use of seaweed so much, and it's funny because I grew up near the ocean and everything, but uh, outside of sushi uh, restaurants, I, I never really saw too many people using seaweed uh, in their food. Uh, so that's if something you I'm, have access to seaweed, it could definitely be considered a superfood and uh chuck there's only one product that i've ever sold in my whole life that i sell to this day that i do not make myself mm. and that's modifolan it's seaweed it's what got me out of the wheelchair it's you know what i'm saying so and like with this i don't care if i ever sell it because i just always want it you know, I, I never want to be without it. And that's because I can't harvest my own seaweed, right? But um, if you look at, like, the Chernobyl 
uh, incident and half of the people perished and the other half were totally fine, well, they got that from the properties of a certain type of seaweed that contained phacoidin. Mm. And that's where Modifilan was born. Okay. Um, and there's over 1,500 published reports of its effectiveness against, oh, let's see, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, 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 over and over, AIDS, just, uh, anything you can think of. I got you. Is, um, one, is one of the cats playing with your microphone, by the way? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I am so sorry. No no problem. I, I could hear everything you were saying, but at the same time, it sounded like, you know, there was a bit of a wrestling match going on with the, uh, I don't know, the pup ball and the kitty. <laughs> so I just... I, it's okay. It's okay. But uh no, but all that all that got through that's that's fascinating and quite frankly, see, every time I talk to Christy, I learn something new. I was not so aware. I'll post another mm -hmm. link in the chat that will take you to all the information about that. Um but yeah, it saved my life and it it was before I I mean, I was in a wheelchair with my children feeding and clothing me. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't picking herbs or growing herbs or juicing or making teas or tinks. None of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So that this is the first thing that I did. And which is easy because people are just accustomed to taking pills, right? Mm. And... Yeah, so I just want to say, like, for pe I'm just going to post a link, okay? But proven effective against radiation, um, heavy metals, like anti-inflammatory, arthritis, blood sugar, blood pressure. Uh, it's, it's more powerful dissolving clots than heparin, okay, mm. without the negative side effects and again all of this stuff it's all the links you click on and see with your own eyes um and i haven't seen there's one person that said she took it and it affected her in a way that she didn't want to be affected okay but it detox isn't always pretty, right? right? And if you're carrying 60 years of toxins in your bloodstream and then something's going to pull it out, well, guess what? You're It's going to stir things up, whether it's physical or emotional, whether it's headaches or sinuses or foul odors or bad breath right. or constipation or diarrhea or bowl you know what i mean i don't know how toxic you are some people don't experience any side effects like that at all and then some people fart all the time right uh so you know what i'm saying detox is detox how toxic are you and how fast and are you going at it right that goes right. for anything and that's why i don't recommend these harsh detox plans or liver cleanse plans are all these things that are so popular on the internet mm. it's too harsh you don't you can't go from poisoning yourself every single day and then you're just going to go take this big swig of medicine you know what i'm saying so if we make our food our medicine and our medicine our food then we're getting these nutrients in us in gentle ways in effective 
moderate amounts, right? We, then, then there's no need to do vitamin C bombs or D bombs or, mm -hmm. or these toxic liver things, right? Just what's wrong with putting a lemon in your water every day? Why do you have to wait for one day of the week and mix it with cayenne and all that? You know what I'm saying? Put I got the you. cayenne in your food. You can even slip a little cayenne and turmeric in your eggs. You're not even going to know it's there, but you're still going to be getting the medicine, you know? Right. So we have to think outside of the, of, of the internet box and the school box and all the stuff we've been taught when it comes to real health and nutrition, right? So I guarantee you, if you were literally picking a few leaves of dandelion a day, and put it in water, right? Mm -hmm. Brought your water up to temp, made a tea or an infusion with it. Like, say that, or nettles, or things just growing out there freely, or even the blackberries. You would never be sick. It, 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 it's I, I've proven it. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, okay. So we do have uh, another caller. I still got Jimmy James on hold. I, I only put him on hold because of the uh, the feedback issue. But uh, I'm going to go to the other caller, see if they got any sort of uh, comment or question. We got about mm, 14 minutes left, so we'll uh, we'll see where this goes and see what happens. Anyways, looks like uh, Chris is on the line. Chris, how you doing? Hey, everybody. The redheaded uh, stepchild of conversations is here. The redheaded stepchild of conversations. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. Okay. <laughs> whatever hey, you say. Stop talking. Chris is here. There you go. <laughs> um, I got I got some I got some for the uh, round table here. It's kind of out, outside the box a little bit. Well, well wait or a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Usually we stay on the topic of of healthy things and nature and uh, food and medicine and stuff like this on Tuesdays. This isn't like open round table, Chris. So, just No, 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 no. No, no I know okay. that. No, I'm saying it's it's some it, it it might be uh, somewhat connected to okay, everything let, you just said. Let's find out. Maybe not the food part. Cool. Let's find out. Okay. Have has anybody here ever had a near death experience, an out of body experience, a UFO experience, and what are your thoughts, if anything, on sensory deprivation tanks? Jeez, 15, 15 questions with less than 15 minutes left. All of okay. the above. Go ahead. All of the above. So you have a view on uh, sensory oh, wow. deprivation as well. Well, I don't think he asked if we had a view. He just asked if we have experience, right? Oh, I thought he had. He asked well, if we had a view. The experiences on... with the other with the uh, the other things like the out of body, the near death, and the UFO. But actually, yeah. What what do you what do you guys think about? sensory deprivation tanks and because uh, I always kind of hear it in the same circles as like the psilocybin and, and you know like marijuana you know opening up the mind and things like that mm. well I, I personally I'll, I just, do, I'll dispatch <laughs> I'll dispatch with all of it in 30 seconds or less uh, as far as have I ever had experiences with all those different things yes uh, secondly oh, wow. when it comes to sensory deprivation I don't believe you need a tank for that I know that uh, some people swear by that and all that good stuff, but quite frankly, uh, if you are capable of getting into a place where you have the ability to control your consciousness willfully, 
Uh, and, and that yeah. does sometimes mean absolutely just letting go of things and uh, clearing a lot of your consciousness. Sometimes this is how you allow yourself some, some level of control. Uh, if you do that, I, I don't think it's necessary to, uh, to deny your senses anything because you can choose to pay attention to them or not. Now, that being said, uh, I would say that during psilocybin um, uh, experiences, sometimes it has been useful for me to blindfold myself, but uh, that would be because I'm physiologically not quite as in control as I would be in a state where I'm not affected by the psilocybin. Um, But all things being equal, if I'm not in an altered state of mind um, that I'm in complete control of, then I can alter my state willfully and without having to uh, resort to a sensory deprivation tank or anything like that. I can choose to turn off my attention being paid to those senses anyway. So I, I don't find that useful, but I do know that some people do swear by it, etc. So with all that, now I'll just turn it over to Christy, and maybe if we got time, we'll get Jimmy James' view on all this. Christy? Okay, so <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, with the lack or, or the the not necessarily needing a deprivation tank to you know meditate or things like that. However, I recommend it um, at least once, mm. and that's because most people do not have the luxury to shut out all the noise and the lights and the energies and the frequencies and so until people who again don't have that opportunity right you live in an apartment somewhere or whatever you have neighbors or airplanes flying overhead or traffic or this or that I think that um, it's great to experience what it's like to not have any of it at all um, it was actually refreshing, um, but yeah, it's not necessary, but I, I definitely would recommend if somebody's interested in it, definitely try it and then see what true deprivation is or sensory, you know, because then when it'll help you in your meditation and it'll help you in the chaos be able to block it out because now you know what it feels like Mm. um so and unfortunately when we're in look i lived under a flight path and i loved it or thought i did right i used to sleep with a tv on all night and you know like i used to have all that noise and thought it was totally normal the traffics the sirens the everything and Um, You don't really realize the effects of all of this chaotic energy all the time. So, yeah, if you have access to try it and you're interested in it, I would definitely recommend it. Hmm. Um, But I also agree with Chuck that it's not necessary. I mean, an alternative, if you're not able to get access to that kind of thing, is to just find yourself a spot in the woods that's kind of away from everybody. And uh, just to allow that minimal sort of uh, interaction with the natural things around you to be the extent of what it is you're exposed to, your senses are exposed to. And that is a, uh, a, a positive experience for a lot of people who need to clear away that noise. 
And, okay, uh, I agree with that, Chuck, but yeah. I also want to point out, for people who aren't used to nature, it'll wig them out. Oh, well, right? listen, because anything. every little rustle in the grass is yeah. going to be a mountain lion, and they're always going to be turning their head, and it's it's not going to be an enjoyable experience for people who already don't spend time in nature and maybe fear what mm. could, is it a snake is it you know what i'm saying no and that's another yeah so i'm just saying i'm obviously you. pro nature and i highly recommend it. i'm just saying that if if you're not used to nature or you don't have some safe rose garden or something like that and you just walk out randomly in the woods i mean you know I, I know people like they're they're all about nature and then they walk around in my yard and they're like, oh, my God, how do you, you know, th even they freak out a little. Right. So, I, yeah, <laughs> we don't want that. We want you to relax. <laughs> no, no. Look, every everybody's path has to be their own and it has to be customized to them. Because, you know, again, sensory deprivation could be the sort of thing that really does freak somebody out, too. Uh, right, you know, people or have mushrooms, right? Yeah, or any of that stuff you brought up. Oh yeah, no, all that stuff. Uh, anything where you're going to alter your consciousness, uh, I would suggest that you take the steps that you're most comfortable with first, and uh, and then try and push beyond them a little bit out of your comfort zone and see where it goes. Uh, that would be the process I would use. But first, I would uh, uh, seriously evaluate where it is you want to go. I mean, somebody in a uh, sensory deprivation tank could. Uh, be a, a a bit too upset being alone with themselves <laughs> you know if you're claustrophobic uh, don't do it right well there's that too <laughs> yeah like if, you're, uh, if you are interested if you are curious i mean i know that uh you know not where i live but most cities they mm. have i forget the names of them that they have all over the west and maybe more but mm. they're pretty affordable you know, maybe like $25 or something like that. Okay. Um, and it's not too creepy. I've been to some of them right. um, while I'm on the road or... Yeah. Well, so. but let me let me be clear. But I'm it's not, not necessary. Yeah, and I'm I not advising the other topics that he asked about now yeah. since we've been talking about this. No problem. I'm not advising against it. By the way, I'm just saying that there are there are many different ways to accomplish what somebody might be in search of by by going to sensory deprivation that's all and you know what you can make yeah. your own dark room if that's what you're after right or go into a closet or and pad it if that's what you want uh, well i've turned, uh, i've even done, done the whole it's going to sound silly but i mean kind of like building a little fort within your uh, within your own little place where I it's just it. sort of an isolation uh, area where you just kind of separate yourself. And then, of course, it would be good to turn the breakers off in that room so you're not surrounded by the electric noise that you may or may not hear, but somehow it might encroach on your consciousness. All these things can be uh, different methods that you might be able to employ depending on what your resources and your access and your mobility is. So, I, mean, I love that you make blanket forts. Yeah. It, yeah. And, like, who doesn't want to, like, pull the blankets over their head and just... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know. I, yeah, I totally agree with you, Chuck. We, it's not necessary at all, but if, you know... I, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if I just heard that other people have experiences, like, where they, they kind of, like, leave them their 
you know, themselves, like, you know, mm-hmm. either a spiritual or kind of like a similar way to, like, um, some kind of, you know, trip, like, experience. Yeah. I, I've, I don't I've know about before. that. I've heard about People that. People who yeah. are not used to being with themselves do trip when they spend a couple minutes alone. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So you have to really enjoy silence and being alone to enjoy the sensory deprivation tanks. Right. And outside of that, he had asked about right. if, if uh, anybody had had uh, exposure to aliens, to out-of-body experience, to near-death well, no, experience. No, not even that. Like, I, I'm not even saying, just the, like UFOs in general, that, like, we don't know exactly what they are. Okay, but I mean, UFOs, like, fine. Just experience mm-hmm. in general, like either a near-death one or an out-of-body one or, or something like a UFO or a ghost-like, uh, you know, paranormal kind of thing. <laughs> just experiences. Yeah, all of the here, above here again. Here you are again, trying to bring me back to Soul Journeys Radio, aren't you? <laughs> yes, very much so. I don't know if he's heard that stuff. Am I succeeding? Did you did you listen to so did to that to to that period of uh, Christie's stuff? Have you listened to it, or are you just just instinctively going there? I'm instinctively going there, but I have been uh, reading like her old her blogs and her old uh, YouTube. Uh, uh, videos after a conversation with her uh, ah. a couple weeks ago. Okay, cool, cool. She's a fascinating person, seriously, and a survivor, and uh, very, very tough. Aww, a lot of descriptors you. there. Yep, yep. Oh, definitely. Look, I, I, I didn't bring her on here just because she's fun to talk to. Although she can right, be fun Chuck to talk is to. Gonna just bring <laughs> some, you know what I mean? And plus, Chuck, I, anyone who knows Chuck is good, and it was. I guess kind of the same on my show, right? Like, Chuck doesn't stay in touch with people who don't have something, mm-hmm. you know, and a warrior. Yeah, I can kinda, see that, yeah. Because Chuck is a warrior and on the up and up. And so, yeah, that's kind of how people could tell without me saying a word on my show like if I had him back repeatedly or if we were friends I trusted him if they were on once then yeah no <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah. no exactly I mean and, and believe me I wouldn't choose anybody else to do a series like we've been doing uh, uh, on this unless they had something to offer for sure and Christy's got a wide variety of things to offer of course uh, the the thing about food and medicine is the primary focus, but uh, a lot of uh, interesting lessons and wisdom could be gathered. And if you go to christyaphrodite.com, you can definitely do that. Uh, you can go to mytrueessence.net. You can gather information there as well. But uh, Christy Aphrodite is definitely uh, more than just a fascinating person and somebody I'm glad to share air with on occasion. But, uh, you know, look. There's a reason why we do this. Anyway, Christy, believe it or not, we went through pretty much the time that we were allotted today. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, of course, rejoin this conversation uh, next Tears Day. <laughs> well, I'll totally, like, if you wanted to, um, I'll go later if we took a little break and then uh, uh, talk more about the topics Chris brought up. Mm, well, I'll I tell you what. We need to save that for next week because I've got something I've got to do real soon here. So, unfortunately, i got a, a schedule. Okay, to... we'll make that a topic then. So, yeah. what is it? Aliens and... 
Well, let's keep to it. It's UFOs, out-of-body experience, near-death experience, and and this kind of line of thinking. He's going in that direction, and that's the second time he's done that. So maybe, maybe we just devote the next conversation, or at least start the I next conversation. I miss journeys radio. I don't mind. This is yeah. This is great. Cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm and look, sure you're tired of listening to me preach about food and medicine. <laughs> well, I'm not tired of it at all. But I'll tell you what, I think it would be an interesting turn if we went into that because uh, you never know. I, I might have a couple of things to share with you. Maybe we could share a few pieces of information together and uh, make some sense out of some stuff. I got a couple of things I can't make sense out of, honestly. Experiences I think we in my should life. actually because we're living in a time right now where. Even people who didn't believe in, say, quote-unquote superpowers or extra, you know, things like that, Mm -hmm. they're experiencing them anyways. (laughs) Right. I mean, after a while. I think it would be great to kind of dispel um, some of the myths and the fear and... Because, you know, there's a lot of heroes out there telling you this is exactly what it is and this is... And and that's not necessarily true, so yeah, let's let's yeah, we'll we'll talk about crazy stuff again. <laughs> crazy stuff. There you go. Uh, no, out of body experiences, near death experiences, all this kind of stuff. Actually, we we could probably weave an interesting thing with it, but I say we do that next Tuesday. So let's do that. It'll be eight p.m. Eastern time, uh, seven p.m. Central, and uh, we'll we'll start off with Christy at the right time. And, uh, you know, hopefully she's not chasing goats <laughs> right before we go to air. But who knows? Maybe always. she will be. Uh, anyway, no matter what it is, uh, I'll say this. It's always it's always good to talk to you. ChristyAphrodite.com, MyTrueEssence.net. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll really get into some uh, more diverse directions in the coming weeks. I guess you'll have to tune in to find out, guys. Anyway, thanks, Christy. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Jimmy James for calling in. Thanks to all of you for listening. I am Merely Ocelli. All of you are indeed the effect. Good night.